into the bomb hole. From the top, it's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. The bomb hole. Gonna slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On the big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go again. Another episode of the bomb hole presented by Wild Mike's Ultimate Pizza, Solomon, and Pub Beer. Now, Stony Buds, how are we doing today? So good, dog. Love hearing that. Well, this week is special. We have the world's first skier in the booth, and he happens to be one of the greatest to ever do it. Tanner Hall, what's going on? Chilling, man. Thanks for having me. We are happy to have you. For the listeners that can't see, uh, you just destroyed your Achilles, correct? Yes. Yes, I was... uh out filming in Minnesota in Minneapolis and uh I was trying to film a real ski part this year for X Games and you know on the second of January, like midnight, I just landed pretty far forward in a little wall tranny and I was trying to land switch and I just came off. I think I caught my foot on like the cement or something. Something funky happened because like midair I just started like leaning really far forward and I wasn't like I was kinda diagonal coming into the landing and just when I landed yeah, one ski popped off and one didn't. So the one that didn't just, yeah, snapped it. And it was really weird because, you know, I've been hurt twice before this, but I've like, you know, in 2005, I broke both ankles and both heels. And in 2009, I broke both tibia plateaus and tore both ACLs at the same time. So like my pain tolerance and like perspective is like bilateral. So just like doing one, one thing without like no bones breaking or anything, it's it was kind of confusing. Like, I didn't even really realize it until I took my foot off. Like, my, I, I took my own ski boot off, got the sock off, and then when I saw, like, this huge divot in my Achilles tendon, that's where it like, kind of hit me, and that's when the emotion started running wild. Yeah, they say that's uh, one of the worst injuries possible for an athlete, correct? I mean, yeah, for sure. But, like, again, I'm going to go back to the perspective, and, like, I mean break both your legs and tear both your ACLs like you don't really notice how much movement you got in a joint like your knee it's like your shoulder you know you got and shoulders even worse but the knee is like there's a lot of movement in it you know what I mean so to get all that movement back and then have like the confidence come back after the movement does is uh it was just a lot different that took a long time dude. it was really debilitating for me like I couldn't even take a piss or like take a shit without like really excruciating pain so for this one it's like really tough and it's like, after I got surgery, like, I got hurt at midnight. I was at the airport by, like, 5 in the morning, on a flight by 6, in Salt Lake by, like, 7.30 in the morning. And then in 24 hours, I was in surgery. And so, like, coming out of surgery, Doc's looking at me kind of like, you know, this. He, he, he knew my, my, my injury record in the, in the history. So he's kind of like, yo, your pain tolerance is kind of bananas, I'm pretty sure. And you just got to realize that this is not going to, there's not going to be a lot of pain. There's not going to be a lot of swelling, but it's really like debilitating on the mind just because of the length of it. They're saying like the first three to four months, you just can't really do anything. Cause if I were to like, if I like slipped on my right foot and I put my left foot down pretty hard, like that's what they're saying. It's just, it's, it's so weak that it can snap. But once you make it out of that first four months then you're in the clear and then it's just all time to strengthen. Mm -hmm. But when you're just chilling for four straight months, you know, it's like the atrophy and everything. Like it's you, can, you, you get weak. You know what I mean. If you snap it again, do you have to start all over? Yeah. So you're on three week mark right now. Is that where you're at? Yeah, three weeks uh, from yesterday. 
out of surgery. And then I crashed uh, three weeks ago from Sunday. And it's dope, you know what I mean? Because with injuries, like, lifestyle changes happen. I mean, last summer I stopped putting tobacco on my weed. And just in doing that, like, taking tobacco out of my life, like, I started smoking a whole lot less and started, like, kind of getting on a way healthier program, I feel like. But then, like, I don't know. Winter time came around. I started putting tobacco on my joints again. And then just, you know, the day I crashed, I know, like, how bad tobacco is, really. It's like alcohol. It's poison for healing time. Just creates carbon monoxide in your blood, slows down your blood flow. And in a place like the ankle or the knee where there's, like, not any blood flowing through it. So I was like, you know, it's good. It's, like, for me, I just got to look at it like I've been through it before. It really sucks because the momentum was coming, like... I, yeah, I was on it. I was skiing better than I ever have, and at 37, it's kind of nuts, you know what I mean, especially with everything I've been through. But sometimes you just got to look at, like, a blessing in disguise, you know. Totally. Uh, one thing I thought was completely fascinating, you were talking uh, off camera, is that you've been going to Las Vegas, and what have you been doing down there? Yeah, well, I've been hanging out with this girl for a little bit, and she's uh, she works at a place called Ageless Forever, and uh, – it's it's a wild place of like stem cell injections and they've got this thing called M wave or it's not that's not what it's called, but that's like the name they have it. There's a like a specific name for it, but it's like a magnetic or it's a radio it's radio it's radio shock therapy really. And it's like they've got like this wand and it sounds like if you're like trying to hook up something electrical and you get those weird kind of staticky noises and then she just starts so like they just start rubbing it on places where you got some swelling or like any little minor injuries. And all it's supposed to do is like create crazy rapid blood flow. So I went down last weekend and on Saturday or no, it was Friday. I got the stem cell injections. And then on Sunday morning we went back there and she did the M wave on my ankle and my knees and my hips. And it's, it's insane, dude. It's really crazy. Like that was the first time. Cause like when I hurt my knees, I was going to Mexico to get like, injections of something that I don't even really know what it was. <laughs> yeah, who, who, nobody probably knew. <laughs> no. And I was getting injected by, like, a dude who was, like, fucking 99 years old or 100 years old. He was from, his name was Mil Nongley. He was from uh, New Zealand, so I think Auckland. And he had a crazy story, bro. He was, like, I think he was doing injections in Vegas at first. And then, like, I'm not lying. I think you can look this up. Like, he came home one day, and I think somebody, like, broke into his house and was, like, in the middle of raping his wife or something, which it was it was so heavy. Whoa. And I'm hearing this, and I'm like, holy smokes. The dude ends up, like, getting a gun out, and I think he shot, he shot the dude who was doing, like, whatever he was doing to his wife. And just through that, like, he, he had to move out of the United States because of all the courts and all the stuff that was going on. And then he had to explain, like, just through that scenario, like, what his injections were, and, like, people started... And the courts being like, wait a second here. You're doing what to people? And this is not approved by the FDA. And so I think he jetted down to Mexico and just in Rosarita. And so, like, yeah, I was tripping, man. I would, I, I would go down there and I'd, rent a, I'd fly into San Diego. I'd rent a car. I'd drive through the border. I'd show up in Rosarita in this little tiny room that's like a little cement room, cracks all over the wall. Doesn't really look all that nice. And you open the door and this tiny little man, like, old as shit just opens the door and you go in you start talking to him he like wants to get to know you as a person and then once he has a good feel about you he's like whenever he's ready he tells you to lay down and bro like needles like this long 
And you can check it out. I've got it was on YouTube. For the viewers, it's, like, it's about our listeners is about twelve inch needle. Yo, it's insane because his his style of injecting, like he would stab me with the needle, and then all of a sudden he would really start wrenching on it, and you'd see the needle wrenching st- on the needle. Oh yeah, wrenching and like putting it inside of you. Where in my knee, homie was like bending the needle, and it and it got to the point where I was just like looking at it. It got so gnarly, and then every time after, I was like, yo, what is the purpose of like like the harshness of like your technique, like you 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 don't think just going in and like you know because so you're looking at me like you're a hundred years old, dude. Like, is that like your brain kind of screwing up? And he's claiming like he was breaking down scar tissue and he was like getting it into the part of the joint that he needed it to. And so like it was just a little bit weird, and that's why I think I didn't want to go have any like PRP injections. I didn't want to do stem cell. I didn't want to do anything because my injection experience in 2009 was a little bit different than most. And so, I don't know, when I started looking into stem cells a little bit, I still don't really understand, like, what they are, what they do. But I just know that I've heard some pretty good success stories about it. And I'm at that age, like we were talking earlier, at 37, you kind of start looking at, like, arthritis and, like, you know, we put our bodies through a lot. Especially you know. with what you've done in, yeah. in your uh, career, your length of time. 100. So, it's like to get down to Vegas and have this go around of injections was so mellow, man. They put it just the needle right in, just barely in. And it was like, it was like almost when you get your blood drawn and just like a little tick, you know what I mean? And yeah. there's that little blood come out. Like, that's kind of like what it felt like. It, was, it wasn't gnarly. It wasn't anything. And it's amazing because it's really expensive, but it takes like, five to 10 seconds and then you're done. And like, now it's just like, we wait, you know what I mean? But I've been lucky enough that this chick, she works there and I've got, you know, I kind of got a little bit of a deal on things. And if it, you know, not if it, I'm going to keep going down and doing it. Cause like it definitely is going to work. And I hopefully like come next season, it was like the best decision I've ever made. Like you healed faster. Is it, is it expensive or what? Yeah. I mean like one shot, one go around shot is like, depends on where you get your shots. But in between six and seven grand a shot. Woo! And that's like six, like, so I paid six, or no, it was, I got a special price. Yeah, yeah. But it was still, like, still some it's racks. It's a lot of money. It's, yeah, there's some Dude. racks. Yeah, but yeah, I, like, no you, 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 I got into my Achilles, and then I was starting to think, like, oh, man, my knees aren't that good. Like, <laughs> what yeah, about that? And they're like, there? yeah, but, you know, it's like you, you pay each, like, yeah, joint or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? Uh, yeah. You're not for the session, it's for the joint. Yeah. So, I mean, Woo. it's, it's hard to, it's hard to like want to keep going down there, but the, the athlete and like the psych, like the psychoticness of like wanting to keep going. Cause like when I crashed, like the last thing I was thinking is like, I'm done or something. So yeah, that's the thing. If it gets you back out there and you're stoked, it's no money can really. And like, dude, you know, the deal, like we're skiers and snowboarders. We're not NFL players. Like I'm sure that these dudes have like the limitless pill. They got like all the stuff they need. You know, they got, like, some spray. Like, the soccer guy comes out on the field and sprays his, like, ACL with, and, like, 30 seconds later it's healed. Like, we don't know that. <laughs> we don't know that, dude. Our companies, when we get hurt, they're like, yo, if you don't come back strong, this is it. Yeah, That's this a is good it. Point. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, it's, 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 it's a trip right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that this person that I know, like, knows some of the top-level athletes and, like, hangs around some of the top MMA fighters. And, like, I think that these there's a lot of people doing this type of therapy and these type of injections to get themselves, like, the longevity and get back faster. And I hope I just stumbled into the right place. <laughs> well, I love hearing that personally. I think it's super inspiring because a lot of people see, you know, like somebody like yourself, they see you out, you know, you're doing real snow, 
you're still absolutely ripping. You know, you've won every single medal there is to win at the X Games for, you know, however many years straight. They, they see your successes, but I love kind of pulling the veil back and seeing what goes into, you know, like, like there's that mentality, like, must be nice, right? Like, must be nice to, to have that. And then, but you don't see that, you know, you're going to Mexico to have some fucking 100-year-old guy stab your knee, right? Like, so <laughs> I, I think it's important for, um, you know, the, the work that goes in behind the scenes, not just the glory, is, is super important to talk about. And it seems yeah, like you've been sure, dedicated to that with your body and everything else, right? Must be nice. If anybody, like, wants to say that about my life, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> let's put you in my shoes for a couple of the must-be-nice yeah. moments and yeah. see how nice it is, you know what I mean? Totally. That's for real. And then going back to the double, you know, just to paint a picture, you kind of came in here with this knee uh, it's called the the knee rover, and it's like a little scooter looking thing. And he's got he's hobbling in on one leg, the other foot's in a boot, and then and you're like, oh, I'm mobile. Whereas when you've you've done both your knees, both your ankles, you can't. Your legs are immobile. You're you know you're compa- almost paralyzed. At Fully that point. paralyzed. Yeah. At, like coming right out of surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they fix your ACL and whatnot, like everything shuts down. Your quad, your hamstring, everything like shuts down, and it doesn't work for a while. Where you know you do that. To both legs, I mean, dude, just, again, like, taking a shit, you know what I mean? I never realized how many muscles you have to flex to go to the bathroom like that. And, like, my first time I did take a shit, it was like, wow. Start bawling my eyes out because, it, like, it all hit me of, like, my situation is not good right now. And that's when it's just, like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. When you're in that type of position, like, especially here in Utah, they're, they they can be pretty friendly with, like, their pain pill prescriptions and whatnot after injuries and i mean granted i needed them but i mean through something like that just like that the the, that thought of sitting down and the first time i tried to push to get shit out and it just hit me like excruciating pain where i start like dropping tears out of my eyes and then it puts really everything into perspective of like yo i really just want to eat some pills and like forget about this you know Mm -hmm. And that's an easy like, road to go. It's down. a slippery slope, you know. Yeah. So, what do you do if they're gonna over over subs, subscribe? Is per, that prescribe. Prescribe pills. It's just got to be up to you to make that decision to be like, okay, I can't overdo it. I got to take the right amount. One hundred. That's it. It, it, it. it is all up to you because, like, in their my mind, mom, they're just keep feeding them. Yeah. Well, family was there, and my mom, my brother, and people were there, but like, you know. You don't really hear too many people, like, going through an injury like that. You know what I mean? And so, like, when I had close ones near me, like, it, if they, like I, they could see how much pain I was in. Mm-hmm. And maybe I think through time I wasn't in that type of pain, but I kind of got used to, like, I can now I can fool people because, like, this is a terrible injury. And, I've, like, I've been eating pills for, like, six months because I needed them. And, but when you don't need them... That's when it just like you realize like holy smokes I've been eating these things for way too long. If you if you don't get your medicine in the morning time, then like your back starts hurting. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you get like a little headache, and then all of a sudden like you you almost start like shaking and whatnot. And that to go into that reality of an injury when you make it to that point, that's like that deep dark hole that everybody kind of talks about. But that's you haven't uncovered it yet, but you found the hole, but it's like covered up still. You know, and like that's like that's where you're either gonna jump into the hole or you're gonna have, like you said, self restraint or like that's not even self respect, it's just self restraint to like not be like, okay, like I have to stop doing this. But I mean, 
fuck, yeah, because once you cross that line, it's crossed. Prescribed heroin feels great, dude. It yeah. does. It's, I'm not, and it's not a bad thing to say because like it does make people feel good. That's why people eat them a lot, right? But where you know, as skiers and snowboarders, you know, you can't, you just can't, you can't go down that, you can't go down that road and expect to find yourself anywhere positive, you know. Especially on an injury injury like yours that last nine months here, like that's crazy. Yeah, I've but, always uh, been told this is the most painful injury you can do, and you're just like, oh, it's not even a big again. Deal. That's that perspective, though, yeah. man. Like I, 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 like out of surgery. I mean, I took a shit right away. I, I, I went to the bathroom right away. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, like, this is mellow. I'm dude. fine. I can. I get around. rovered <laughs> myself right into there too, and it was like, oh, this is okay. This is this is really mellow. I mean, my mom even came down for the surgery. And took off just a week later because she was even like, oh, oh this, this is, is nothing. This is like, you <laughs> got this. You spent through so much worse. 100. <laughs> so it's like my perspective again, you know, it's that Kevin Durant mentality right now where it's just like, it's not if you're going to be back. It's just like how long do you have to wait, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's a, a fascinating thing uh, from what you just said is I have I did a bunch of due diligence, we'll call it, called a bunch of your friends, people you're close with uh, to kind of, do our re- do the research for this conversation, and every single person I talked to said almost the first sentence was, "Oh, Tanner's the most driven person I've ever met." And uh, that quote you just said—it's it's not if it's like you've hurt every single bone in your body, you've you know you've destroyed yourself, you just you know destroyed your Achilles again, and that that men that mindset of it's not if it's when I'm back. Where where does this is kind of a maybe a loaded question, but where do you think that drive comes from? To the just feeling know? skiing gives me, bro. That's it. Like that's all it is. There's like that, and I've been trying to figure it out for a long time. But you, you can think so hard sometimes, and sometimes like for a person like me, if I think too much, like it's bad, you know, bad <laughs> for the brain. Starts to go to the body. Then I start thinking of like weird things, and you know what I mean. So I think it's just. I found out through so many years and just like so many, like even bad breakups with girls and just everything, everything that my life has culminated to the point where I woke up one day and just realized probably a couple of years ago that like this skiing stuff is it for me. You know, this is like my escape. This is like how I, this is where I find myself. This is where I find myself most happy. Like when I say find myself, like who I really am as a person, you know what I mean? Because we all can put on a facade on your Instagram account or how you want to be portrayed through films and whatnot. But at the end of the day, dude, I'm a skier. And, like, I don't need much in life, you know. As long as I can be skiing, I know I'm going to be making conscious decisions for the to, like, better my life, to grow as a human being. Skiing really brings, like, a level of oxygen to my brain that, like, really actually makes me think in a positive direction, you know what I mean? And I realized through the old injuries, like, when you're not skiing, like, that's when, like, you know, just shit can come into your brain that doesn't need to be there, you know? And that's just from, like, being off your skis for that amount of time. When you're not trying to go out and stack a clip, like, that to me is, like, that's my life, dude. I love the whole process of just, like, thinking of something and then finding a spot and then getting a crew together and then going out, building the spot, and everything that goes into that, once you have that clip stacked, it's like, I don't know. It's hard to explain to people what that can do. You know what I mean? And so, like, that's where the drive comes from, man. And as the older I get, the more now I'm just at this point where I've, like, been through a lot of injuries, been through a lot of stuff. And I want to see, like, what my mind can really do and, like, how far I can really go. 
Because I look at dudes like Chuck Patterson, that dude who was just like skiing down like the Maverick wave. Did you see that? I didn't see that. Yeah, I guy, didn't see that. guy he on was skis skiing on a big, a big Bro, he's wave. 48 <laughs> years old. and he's, he's got poles, too. Dude, really? He's insane. But yeah, he's he like a poles. But that dude, Chuck Patterson, he's he's gnarly surfer. He's a gnarly surf guy, too, like big wave surfer. And he like, he, he, he shreds with that dude, Kai Lenny, a lot. You know what I mean? And those, like, guy, Kai Lenny's like a. He's like the new Laird Hamilton or in a way, just like the water god. And like to see Chuck doing what he's doing, I mean, that at 48 to just be getting towed into Mavericks, I'm looking at like, wow, I'm only 37 and like the sky's the limit. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's the feeling. It's just that feeling. And I don't think it's ever going to stop. Cause I always ask my friends that are mad older and I'm like, yo, I wonder if this is ever going to stop. Like the psychoticness of, of chasing this feeling. And they're like, no, it's, it, it won't. You might go about it a little bit different when you're in your fifties, but it ain't going to change. You're going to be driving around Mexico when you're like 60 years old and you're going to see it like a triple kink. And you're going to look over and be like, damn, <laughs> dude, sure. that thing looks so nice. You're you not going to be able to stack these shots forever though. So hopefully you can, uh, don't, don't say a, that. You might prove you wrong. On that I, one. I mean, I hope so, but the body can, I mean, real snow at 60. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ski? at this point, X Games should start doing the veterans real snow. <laughs> True. You know what I mean, true. Yeah. Kind of a rough year for real snow, huh? With the, the snow. Yeah, it I'm was. Sure you guys were out there finding where it the was. Snow was I mean, yeah, we just had to go and find it. Montana was looking like they were going to get some snow, but it just kind of tapered off. And then we, I, I just started going out to Baker because that's where the snow was for all early season. Was it similar US. to the snowboard one where you could hit street stuff or mountain stuff? And well, yeah, this year, this year, yeah, this for year, sure. The but one. the the years past, it's just been in the streets yeah. for the past years. Famous you know? snowboard, yeah. yeah. And when they hit me up and asked me, I even thought about. It. I was like, yeah, I got to get back to you because, like, I don't know if I'm really down to get hurt. It's a heavy because, like, in the streets, project. that's that's like I know the the streets just hit different. And it sucks, dude, because a lot of people in our industry don't want to sponsor street kids because they're not out there wearing goggles. They're not out there wearing tech gear. They're not out there doing that. They're not like, and now like a lot of skiers ain't riding with poles in their hands. And it's hard for them to get like anything almost in our industry because like skiing, you know, it's still, it's, I mean, it's changing way for the better. Don't get me wrong, but like, it still has kind of a nerdy thing to it where it's just like. Whatever the trends are, and right now it's very trendy to, like, go ski touring. And, like, people want it, like, clothing companies want people buying the three-layer jacket because it's really expensive. When street kids are like, yo, just give me some ramen noodles and a sweatshirt and I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, to me, is insane because these kids are going out and putting in so much work to spots and, like, literally, like, beating themselves to death, man. And, like, that... I've seen big mountain shredding and I've seen street shredding and it's a fine line to, to, to say what's gnarlier. You know what I mean? Like who's to say like you have avalanche conditions out in, you know, the mountains, but you have some things in the streets that, I don't know. It's hard to even explain, man. And then you put cops on top of the whole thing. If you get four hours into building the spot and you're getting ready for your first towing and then you get kicked out. Like, those type of things, big mountain people and, like, these companies, I don't think realize, you know what I mean? And I, as years have gone, just in the past years, I have so much respect for the street scene. And, like, because I kind of got out of it for a bit. But, I mean, fuck, dude, you, there's so much room to be creative. And there's, there's the options are endless in the streets. The cops always roll up right when you're just starting, too. They just have <sighs> a perfect, perfectly timed 
Yeah, it was cool in Minnesota, <laughs> though, bro. We got rolled up on janitors and cops and everything. Didn't get kicked out on one spot. Where I was like, wow, city life, it's it, it just different than, than than ski towns. Yeah. Ski towns, cops don't even want to ask a question because there's no crime. There ain't nothing going on. So they're like, oh, I can do something right now. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. We're in streets. They're like, bro, we are, like, somebody just got murdered. Like, I, have fun. Yeah, have fun. You this is not I mean? a problem. Yeah. As something long as you're different. not selling drugs or hurting anyone, you're cool. Exactly. Do your thing. Okay, well, I'm going to pivot onto uh, kind of a throwback topic here on where you're from. And uh, basically, when I was doing my research, I thought you were from Park City. Found out that you're a Montana good old boy and grew up. I kind of want to paint a picture because our audience, a lot of them are snowboarders, so they maybe aren't super in touch with the ski scene. But it uh, seems like you grew up skiing moguls. I was watching your gear. It was like kind of ski-esque, not, not that dope looking and then you like kind of got into freestyle skiing kind of pioneered freestyle and then essentially like you're you're in high school and you know you were kind of winning some freestyle contests it sounded like and then you eventually got some sponsors and then you smoked a spliff in front of your school and essentially dropped out or got kicked out correct yeah i got kicked out but then out. I got kicked out, and then I won X Games that January, <laughs> and then March they like the school's calling my mom up, like, do you think he could come and do a photo shoot for us for the brochure, and then we'll let him back half price? And my mom was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Well, that was something. So, upon doing my research, I found out when you when you got kicked out, you basically you had a conversation with your dad where he was like, you're, you know, you're 15 at this point, 14, 15, and he's like, you have one year. You have one year to prove yourself on your own or else you're moving in back with us and you're fucked. And, and that was the year. And, and that kind of leads us into uh, a, a breakout moment. And we're, that's actually presented by Pub Beer. So we're going to pass it yeah, to Yeah, let's Buzz. get into our breakout moment presented by our friends over at Ten Barrel and Pub Beer. Pub Beer supports us. You should support them. Their tagline is cheap, fun, beer. Um, now, before skiing became a big, serious career for you, back when it was cheap and fun, do you have a memorable breakout moment? And it sounds kind of like this X Games uh, contest in high school might be it for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that was it was it was a wild turn of events, bro. Getting kicked out of school, and then mom was not stoked whatsoever. Pop was just that disappointed kind of thing. And yeah, somehow convinced pops because mom was like, you're done like this. I don't give a shit. You're moving home. Like it's it's just, you're done. Cause I never really been in trouble, bro. Mm -hmm. Went from like never being in trouble to like being, you failed your second drug test and you're getting kicked out. And like, I didn't even have to take the second drug test. Cause like my teacher just saw me smoking a fucking spliff right in the parking lot. And it just, at that point though, that school I was going to was the park city winter school in park city. And it was like very race oriented. I didn't really have too many people on my side. It was just kind of a weird vibe. Race so. oriented as ski race, ski racing. Yeah, <laughs> just to make that clear. And ski racing oh, yeah. is a whole <laughs> different vibe than you know freestyle. I mean, just like the word freestyle and racing, like you can kind of tell like where, they're opposites. How are the attitudes in both sports? You know what I mean? And so it was just a bit different. I didn't really like the school environment, but I was going to school at the water ramp, so I'm like learning all these tricks. Skipping class, like lunchtime would happen, and I'd be like, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to go jump. I don't really want to go to class anymore. And then my teachers would be walking over, looking at me, like shaking their heads, like, dude, what? Like, you're not going to pass your class. And it's just like, no, I just learned Switcher Audio 7. I'm going to go win X Games. Like, fuck your <laughs> class, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was, yeah, I got that happened. I knew I had all, I was sitting on all these tricks. And so convinced Pops, and he was like, all right, dude, just do your thing. And 
didn't talk to my ma at all for months, actually. Talked to my dad. Like, I'd call my dad every two weeks just to check in and be like, yo, it's, I'm good. No stress. Like, I found, I, I'm, I got a place to stay. I found some homies in Mammoth that are letting me stay at their house. Like, you know, Rosie, Rosie and I was going to pay for my ticket out to the X Games because before even that, though, it's just like it, it all started with I go out to Cali and X Games qualifiers at Squaw Valley. I win that. And then, like, right after that weekend, I go to Red Bull Huckfest at Snowbird and I won that. And that's where I got Red Bull as a sponsor at the Red Bull Huckfest. And I told my pops that. And that's where the, like, the tone changed from, like, holy shit, dude. Like, you just ruined your life to, like, you got sponsored by what? You know? And I was like, yeah. It's I not think, all negative Like, here. This, is, this is good. And, like, the tone of my voice, my dad's voice changed. Still not talking to my mom. And then I go to the U.S. Open right after that. And I won uh, Big Air. And I got third in slope style. And... Right from there, that's when my pops was like, no way, dude. And I was like, yeah, X Games is next weekend, pops. So I'm about to fuck this up. And I went there, and I won that. And, like, right when I won that, that's where my mom, like, right when they announced me the winner, my mom comes walk, like, walking up to me, and she's bawling her eyes out, and she just puts her arms out, and that was, like, the breakout moment for me. Wow. I mean, like, having, having such... That, like, ruined my parents, I'm not going to lie, to, like, get kicked out of school. And that's still, like, their main thing they want me to do is probably finish, you know. And I've just got... At I your got, age now? Well, yeah, I mean... They like, want that's you to go get your GED? 100. And I got all the GED testing books up at my spot right now. Sick, and dude. That's going to be my goal for this summer is that's to knock badass. that out. And that's not for really anything but my parents to be like, yo, thank you guys did everything you could to get me to where I am now. I'm so going to give them an air horn yeah. for that. How old were you at this when you were doing all these contests? Well, this breakout year, I was 17. So I got so kicked out of school at 16. You were underage. Yeah, you were underage, yeah. and your parents gave you enough uh, rope to go out and do this yeah. to see if you were going to yeah. make it or not make it. Shout out to it. those supportive parents always, yeah. dude. Yeah. so dope. Big yeah, up Jar- Darla and Jerry. Like, I got the best parents that Especially really, like. when you're not under their roof, you know? Like 100. I couldn't believe they actually, like, let me, get, like, come down to Utah without their supervision and, like, start living freestyle ski life, you know? And, like, yeah. I it, it, I could have probably had some better mentors around me when I was super young, but you live and you learn, you know what I mean? And I've always been good that every time I screw up, I know how to fix it, like, exponentially. We all know right and wrong. We all mm-hmm. have conscious in our brains. We all know, like, when you're about to do some shady shit, you know. And you have your voice <laughs> screaming at voice. you, you know yeah. what I mean? So thank God, like, I know the difference between the good voice and the bad voice, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's, that, that was just, that was the biggest thing that I knew for myself that I just need to finish. I just need to finish school for my parents. Cause I know it's not for me. It's not for anything. And it's like, my parents have done, have gone above and beyond and they still do to this day, which is like, I'm very blessed, man. Cause I know some of my buddies that grew up in the ski world that don't have supportive parents and they're not in the same position, you know? Well, I, that, uh, I want to run it back to kind of some of the stuff we were just talking about because you won everything that year, it sounds like, for the most part, and then continued to go on basically a 10-year run of winning everything in skiing. I, there's almost there's too many medals to list, honestly. So what I wonder is you take a you know a 17-year-old kid, you pay him a ton of money. He's from a small town in Montana. Like, were you ready for that fame and that money at no, that age? No, not even close. Not even close. And you can go back and look, bro. Like, I got... There, like, there's many stages to Tanner Hall and throughout the ski industry. It's crazy. And, like, the cockiness and, you know, 
from cockiness to depression and everything in between, in between, you know, to coming out the other side, like with a sense of accomplishment, but, but a sense of like, I know what to do now. And I know like my path in a way where young guy from Kalispell, then all of a sudden I went from no money to like buying a condo in Mammoth. Like just it, at 17, it was insane. I had to have my dad come down and sign 17. for it. I, was, I wasn't old enough. Like you can't be buying condos in real yeah. estate when you're under 18. So I had to have my dad come down and sign for my first condo. And it was crazy because it was right when they were going to start building the village at Mammoth or they had just proposed it. And I had bought the condo in like August and then I had sold it in, I think that next April and I didn't even own it for a year. I think I owned it for eight months and I, like I made 150 you grand caught on that it. market, right? Huh? Caught it. Right. And I looked at my pops. I was like, why don't we just do this all the time? What gave you <laughs> to wear like, with all that 17 to actually buy a condo and not just blow your money? Ah, pops. So he was kind of telling yeah, me, my like, dad was the, the one, money, let's do this. 100, 100, man. Cause like all the checks that I won, all the big checks that I won, like Yo, I had an IRA and a, and a life insurance policy by the time I was 18 years old. You know what I mean? And your dad told you to do that as well? Props. One thing uh, our listeners are fascinated with, and myself at times and too, myself. Uh, is cheddar biscuits, which is kind of how much money is earned in certain time periods. And I, I kind of wonder, in that year when you were 17, do you know... Do you have a gauge on fiscal earnings for the year or well on rough? contest winnings alone it was over a hundred grand, probably like a hundred and ten. Yeah. At seventeen. Yeah. And then plus Red Bull. Yeah, Red Bull signed me. But it was crazy because like I had that first good year, Red Bull signed me and and I was on Oakley at the time, but I wasn't like I was pretty I was pretty ignorant to the fact of like what like what your self worth is worth. Yeah, you're I was so like, young. no, I'm just gonna go win contests and this is how you make your money. Until I kind of realized, like, I was skiing around some kids that were making, like, healthy salaries on contract. And I'm like, wait a second here. How the fuck am I getting $1,500 a month? Or, I mean, not even a month, $1,500 a year. But then your contest winnings go, you know, is into triple digits. I was like, I mean, six digits. I'm like, this, something's not right here. You know what I mean? So, after the second year I won X Games, that's when shit really got bananas. It got really bananas. I mean, I remember... Down the road, like the last Red Bull contract I signed was like a four year deal for two hundred grand a year. And that was that was pretty heavy. Two hundred like, grand a year is that yeah. you said? Woo. And that's so just the energy drink. Yep. That was just the energy drink. And Oakley was definitely taking care of me. It's not like this anymore. And yeah. And they like, match your not. they match your winnings, correct? They didn't match my winnings oh, because didn't. I actually like went ham on the salary. <laughs> I was like, I don't want this yeah, incentive like, of like if I do good, then you'll throw me a cookie. It's like nah, <laughs> no, no, no. Smart. Did I you have an agent? Yep, you? I nice. did. I did. Yeah, I got an agent. Her name was Nadia Guerrero, and that was my first one. And I was with her for many years. And then when she kind of like was just drifting out of the agency, I met this dude Tom Yaps. And yeah, but I think agents are like a agents are something that's very necessary because it's just like my pops was very necessary to like control the amount of monetary that was coming in. But an agent was very necessary for knowing your self worth and being able to go after like what he thinks that you are worth. Because it sucks putting a price, your own price tag on yourself and then calling people up and saying, like, no, this is what I deserve. Yeah. Because, like, those, some of the, some, I've learned some of those conversations that the agents have with these companies, they're not fun. Yeah, they're hard. They're not fun. And so if you have to do it yourself, it can kind of debilitate you on almost like, oh, man, maybe I'm, 
maybe I think I'm worth way more than I am. And maybe I got to chill and maybe I this and maybe I'm that because this is a confidence game. And if you're going to try to do that, just know that your confidence can go down just in that little thing alone. So when you get back on your skis, can affect your skiing. Exactly. Wow. So agents, I always feel like if you are wondering if an agent is good or bad for you in this industry, it's very good. And people are shysty, bro. Like, companies don't want to pay you what you're yeah, worth. They're going to do job. everything they, they can. Exactly. as little as exactly. they can, right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Keep that budget slim. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's pivot into another topic that is uh, is kind of interesting to myself. <laughs> and, you know, we're snowboarders, and you're, you come from the ski world. Now, what would you say the difference is between ski and snowboard culture? Oof. You've always seen kind of attached to snowboard culture. Yeah, well, I mean, I've took out so much influence, bro. Like, I mean, when I started getting into this stuff, it was like the year of Marco, like Marco and, you know, even Andrew Crawford. I grew up with Crawford up in Big Mountain, up in Whitefish Resort, and it's Ah. like I got to see that dude, like, from many stages, and, like, that's where it kind of, like, hit me. I was always wondering, like, oh, the fuck are skiers, like, just hitting moguls and doing spread eagles and stuff? Like, this dude's hitting cat tracks. He's doing half cabs off a summer house cliff. He's... He's got big ass clothes on. He looks like really cool. He's got cool friends. You know what I mean? Like what what is really going on here? So I think like for me at a young age, just having like a pro it wasn't just Andrew. I think Travis Parker was like growing up at Big Mountain as well, where I'm like, damn, dude, between Andrew Crawford and Travis Parker, those are two insane dudes to be able to like this is who I could watch. And I grew up with Jason Robinson. Like we're the same age. And I remember like him and Dylan Candelari just every day like those it was just very easy to take an influence from snowboarding and at the at at where I grew up you know what I mean and so I'd say the biggest difference is just the level of I don't know just just like there's money in skiing there's a lot of money in skiing right and with money kind of comes a country club type effect like I always say like skiing in the U.S. right now it's it's turning into like the new golf it's it, like it, you have to have money. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, Vail Resort, Vail Resort. I'm a, I'll, I'll talk shit, dude, because I don't really like that place. I think it's flat. I don't like Starbucks all over the place. I don't like they're like heated sidewalks at ski with like it's like no, nah, it's, it's snow. Like why? It just it doesn't make any sense to me. And to charge two hundred and ten dollars for a lift ticket, it's like yo, beat it. That's like that that turns people away. That makes people look at skiing and just being like, oh, that's that rich shit. Like, I don't, like, I don't even want to think about that. You know what I mean? Where I hope at some point we can figure that out because you go over to Europe and I mean, like, dude, like, season pass at Chamonix is like, you know, it's not even a thousand euro. And to me, I'm sitting there like, how are these places charging this much money? Why do they want, like, Starbucks and creperies all over the place? Why? And that, and to tell you the truth, when you have that type of stuff, it attracts, like, like Jerry of the day. Like yeah. it's literally like Jerry of the day. <laughs> Jerry like, of the day magnets. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and rich people, like they don't really have to learn the culture. They can have everything given to them. Yeah, so can, it's like a level of ignorance slice. that just comes in. And you see it at Park City all the time during Christmas. I'll be looking at some guy with his whole family walking to the chairlift. He's got like six pairs of skis. His wife's just on her phone, just laced in like designer gear. The kids are like, just fighting with each other and the look on this man's face, he's like in rear entry fucking rental ski boots. <laughs> Where I'm looking at him like, yo, really? Like, how much money are you spending right now, dog? Because, like, you look like you want to be on a beach right now. Yeah, right. 
And it's like those people are getting in the way. Those people like don't really know. Like it sucks that we're so ingrained in what we do that skiing is this type of sport that it can just attract just ignorance. I feel like because I mean you see it this year with the COVID and stuff with like a lot of resorts like having you know a lottery to go up there. Now it's pushing people into the backcountry. And I mean look at dude, some guy just died here in the Wasatch with no beacon on. Really, mm-hmm. I didn't like, see that. That's that that to me is like that's a that's that's. That's insane. No beacon, huh? No beacon, and he was there with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend just had to, like, watch him go get swallowed up, and that was it. Do you know where they were? Somewhere up in the Wasatch. I wonder if you had the snowmobile in or hike in or... Yes, it was. I think it was just right off a chairlift or something. Like, yeah, it was right into the back country. Yeah, because my physical therapist, her husband flies the chopper, like, the... The the, safety The KSL chopper. Mm. Like, it's chopper five for the news. And so I remember, like, she called me up and just was like, you don't have anybody skiing out there today. And I was like, nope. And so when I turned on the news, they actually, it was crazy because he get, he flies out there and, like, he starts filming the people probe striking and he actually caught the probe strike. And that's lucky, wow. lucky, lucky that, because they can't be taking out their beacons. Homie mm-hmm. doesn't even have a beacon on. Yeah. And the girlfriend's like, ah, a beacon? Yeah, what's a beacon? Yeah, You know, horrific. deer in the headlights. And so she's like, uh, and she probably was like, ah, we have the RECO. Yeah, yeah, it's like, Jesus. oh, the body recovery device. That's great. Like, yeah. you have no idea what you're doing out here, and that's a problem, you know what I mean? Because if people are going to start going out there, like, ski resorts are one thing. You start sending those type of people out into the mountains, and it's just a level of ignorance. And I think that's what it is with ski and snowboard culture, where snowboarding, it seems like the people that get into it have a level of, a different level of maybe smart inside, or like, not even smart, common that. sense, maybe. Common sense, not even smart. Oh, I want to interject for a second, because I think there's there's idiots on snowboards, there's idiots on skis. But uh, kind of to change gears on the culture subject, I was listening to you talk, and I know that you've been super controversial over the years in skiing, right? Like openly smoke weed, and going back to some of the things about skiing, there's there's definitely some people in the culture that maybe aren't okay with that. Maybe let's... let's uh, assume some of the country club type of mentality that's all we that's that's not okay whereas snowboarding we had sean palmer to pave the way and smoke weed and and fuck off and be punks and it seemed like up until you're maybe i don't know about skiing but up until you came through you were one of the first like leaders of the sport the maybe the leader of the sport and to be openly smoking weed it it seemed like the two cultures were different in that way whereas snowboarding is like oh no big deal Right. I don't know. Just an interesting. Yeah, no, that you hit it right there. And it's that's where I'm saying it's that level. It's like mm-hmm. the type of stuff that these ski resorts and like these ticket prices and everything. I feel like they attract a different type of thing where when snowboarding came out, you guys were like the, you know, you hated one. You know, you're like the, the punk rockers and this and that. And that that alone, when it kind of stepped on the scene, like you've seen the video like from here. Oh, yeah. and they're like, how many fucking like how many videos have they put out going in the parking lot at Elta asking like, yeah. should we let snowboarders here? Yeah. And like you get it real quick. Like, holy smokes. Like people actually really think like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of gnarly. Yeah. Forget that sometimes, too. And I think it's just the level of status I think skiing brings in compared to the level of status that snowboarding would bring in. But it's changing, dude. I mean, fuck. Now I see like. Drake and Travis Scott and all these people like, oh, I'm enjoying a day of snowboarding. And it's like, well, sick, dude. At least you're getting in the mountains. Yeah, I saw Travis Scott out there getting it. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about some of the other skiing things. Uh, I, I was I was wondering, because we're unfamiliar. One thing, um, the pole situation. I w- kind of want to get a hot take. 
What's the what's the vibe with pole versus no pole? As to some people that aren't unfamiliar with that, I used to be a hater on no poles. Really? Yeah, I used to hate on it all the time, and now I'm like skiing more without poles. What about with, poles with in poles. the pipe though? I they don't serve a purpose whatsoever. The half pipe? Yeah, because some guys use them, some don't. I mean, poles do bring a level of balance. They do. Yeah. When I'm when I have but poles, but when you go to grab, you got this pole in your hand and the poles don't really fuck with your grabs. They I don't, don't think no. And it's just like when you have something in your hands and you grew up skiing like that, there is a level of balance. Like it's like you're, you're holding on to, to something. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. A balance. You got a little more leverage in certain yeah, ways for balance. Exactly. Yeah. But now, I mean, the new wave, like these new generation kids, like they, they want get, no they poles. Get, yeah, they get so nice without the poles, and it's 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 insane. Because for me, on rails and stuff, like I'm way better at sliding rails with poles because I feel like it's all balance, Back right? To balance. And like I have like a certain amount of weight. Whether they're only a couple ounces in my hands and I'm like grabbing onto something, yeah, it can like help with my balance. Where, you know, I feel like my skiing and like the progression of it, like I don't have poles in my hands. Like the more I'm trying, because I realize it's harder for me. And I mean, if I can master that, then it's like I'm getting better at 37. And it's like, okay, I can. I'm not gonna. I you know, it's just the teacher becomes the student on that type of thing. <laughs> I used to hate on no poles. You know what I mean? But now and you're chill. Now I'm all good. And the kids are a lot of them aren't using poles then. I mean, there's, 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 yeah. I mean, there's a lot of kids that don't. And but like the really special ones that I like to watch. I mean, Henrik Carlo, he's been using poles a lot more lately. But somebody like Phil Casabone, I don't think we'll ever use poles again. And it's just like those type of how those two kids ski. It's like it's undeniable. You know what I mean? And Henrik's just as good with poles and without. Henrik's fucking dude. That guy is. Easy yeah. I think. No offense, but I think he's my favorite skier. Oh, for sure, he's my he's, favorite. Yeah, I think he's, he's everybody's been my favorite skier. <laughs> he's everybody's right now, dude. That kid is so nasty, dude. And talk about like a like a focus. You know what I mean? That kid has the strongest focus, and like, it's really insane to me because he's the first dude like in our crew that like would go out and do nosebud trip sixteen for fun. <laughs> Oh, and that came like on bud? just for fun. Nosebud? Nosebud trip 16. Like a oh, butter, butter. Off, like you butter like you see yeah. them did back yeah, in the day, yeah. but like we even later off off I've the takeoff. I've seen that. I didn't know it was but I didn't know bud was butter. I yeah, like nose that. Nosebud. Nose butter. <laughs> I like that. You know the nose butter. <laughs> yeah, but that kid, I don't know, like he when 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 he started getting real good and there's one X games where I was all fucked up. It was like right before I stopped drinking, but he hadn't thrown the nose butter trip 16 and I was watching him. It was the first year, like, you kind of had to come with two tricks, just two different tricks. They weren't even making you spin both ways yet. It was just you had to have two different tricks. So everybody came, and everybody's doing two tricks. That's it. They would just rotate from one, and then they'd go to the other. One, the other. At, right, like, Henrik's ninth jump in finals, he did he – had, he had, it was his ninth different trick. And that's when I was like, holy shit, I see what, like, history's happening right now. So I got a snowmobile. Yeah. I got a snowmobile up to the top, and I just grabbed him. And I was like, "You know what time it is, G? Like, you got to do that nosebud trip." And he's like, first thing he says, he's like, "Yo, it'd be so ill to win without it, though." And I look at him. I was like, "Yeah, but you know, you got that shit." And he's just standing there, like super focused. Then he looks right over at me, and he cracks a smile, and he goes, "I know." And then just looks forward again. And that's where I got goosebumps. I was like, "Holy fuck, dude! This kid's like..." Like, I got goosebumps right now just thinking about <laughs> that because it's like that. Th there's some people where you can tell something's about to happen. And, like, there's a confidence that some, like, certain people can, like, exude, exude without yeah. even trying. <laughs> and just that little, like, holding on to his skis that he was when I was like, yo, it's nose about trip time. It'd be so ill to win without it, though. 
And I was like, bro, but you know, you got that shit to see that look and just the biggest smile and just that I know. And then look forward again. I was like, it's on. Here we go. And to watch him drop in and lace that first try ever, like in finals, the last jump of X Games, like that's some hero shit. Damn. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's like, he's been, he's a big reason why I'm still in it, you know? Because through that last, like my broken legs and whatnot, I was in some deep, dark places. And like, he came to my side and was like, dude, you, you, like, you can't be done. And like, I take a lot for that. I give him like all the respect in the world for that. Cause like, you need people like that in your corner. You know yeah, that's I mean? awesome. Yeah. It's major. Especially since you'd been hurt a couple times too with, with both legs being immobilized. I Yo. mean, that's got to put you in a dark place. For real. And it's just like how are our whole culture growing up just with the hip hop music and reggae music and smoking weed and whatnot. Like Henrik really grabbed a hold of that culture, you know, but he's Swedish dude. And Swedish people are like the smartest, most on point. They don't, they're not addicts. They're not it, like they're driven. They're everything, you know? So I think he just took like what me and a couple of my homies did and just like learned from our mistakes. And then it's just been fully running with it. And like, that's the reason why he is the best of the best right now. That's cool. Yeah, the thing you two both have in common, it seems like you both genuinely love skiing. And I think you can see that in people's, you can, you can see when there's, there's a rider out there or skier, then they're like, they're maybe holding on and doing it for a check. And you can, it shows in their riding, but the people that, authentically love it it shows through in a lot of ways yeah what a lot a lot of people know about henrik is that his dad owns one of the biggest champagne and wine distribution companies in the world so he's he money and henrik it's never going to be a problem but he still has that drive you'll never huh? notice it though bro he yeah. like doesn't even like sometimes he doesn't like even shower and like change clothes because he's in the zone so hard and he's killing it so hard where like simple things down to hygiene like can go to the wayside because like he really? loves it that much He's just And so that's focused. not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, I'll find myself in those kind of positions. But, like, to have Henrik and to know his background and, like, a lot of, like, he could be supporting crazy whips. He could be rocking crazy jewelry. He could be rocking designer handbags every day. He could be rocking the craziest clothes. He could be living the most lavish lifestyle. That dude, like, goes to Rick's Granson and camps in a tent for over 60 days <laughs> just to get a segment built. And you're like, holy smokes, dude. Like, the love is, like, pure right yeah there, he really you know? loves it that's awesome. you know what though that's what when i talked to everybody they said the same shit about you they're like that dude loves skiing it's it so much. and it's just that feeling we'll go back to like the what drives you it's like there ain't no better feeling bro in my mind there ain't no better feeling especially when you can control the feeling on like how intense the feeling can get or how relaxed it can be like when you're in full control of like your emotions it's 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 something that you can't even explain. I want to bookmark something that you said earlier, and it's important, I think, for our listeners and myself and everybody to hear. But, you know, you said, if I think too much, like, I don't know exactly you worded it, but it's not good, essentially. And it's good to know that, you know, people that are, you know, that idolize you, look up to you, you got a crazy rat trap between your ears. I got a crazy rat trap between my ears. We're all fucking crazy. We just got to, you know, for skiing and snowboarding, it's the one thing that can kind of fix a lot of problems. I'll be so stressed out and then be like, oh, I'll go spin a couple laps and then boom, I'm back in the fucking, everything makes sense again. And it's, I don't know, it's just interesting how uh, it's a form of meditation or however you want to put it. But And it really is. And like, you know, this might be getting ahead of myself, but hopefully like a dude like Nicholas can find that meditation because right now, dude, I, to think that we're not going to see Mueller in like another film of absence or yeah, there's no real like distinct what's going to happen. Like, cause dude, to me and his, his writing to me, 
like, fuck, dude, him and Gigi has played, like, a huge part in, like, how I view the mountain and, like, what I want to get out of it. And it just sucks. Like, I hope, you know, in a situation like what's happened in this past summer and just, like, since May, I hope, I just hope, like, he can, I just hope I can watch Nicholas still moving. I'm sure he's still going to shred, though, right? Well, I, I, I yeah. don't know. All I've been hearing is, you know, some different stuff. And I, you, you know he's always going to shred. But yeah. to be able to, like, be hyped on a project and, like, have ideas still swirling in your brain and be like, yo, okay, let's go get this stuff, like, out of my brain and on film. Yeah, true. To put out to the world to show, like, not only am I still good, like, I'm better than a lot of people. Because the way that dude flows down a mountain is, like, you know. Yeah, it's unmatched by a lot of others, oh that's God, for sure. Dude, it's crazy. True yeah, story. Interesting stuff. Maybe I that, got a, yeah, go ahead. a Patreon question I want to ask that's kind of just, since we're talking about skiing and snowboarding. This is from uh, John Schofield. He asks, um, how do you feel about skiing with snowboarders? And what would you say to ski-only resorts like Alta that won't let you ski there with your snowboarding homies? Well, I think skiing with snowboarders is, like, an essential part for me and, like, my style. And, like, I got so many friends that are snowboarders that it's just, like, it. at this point you don't even think about, like, who you're going to go with. It's like, it's not skiers or snowboarders. They're just my friends. You know what I mean? It's That's like, awesome. Well yeah. said. It's not two, two boards or one stick. You, we all smile the same. And like, yeah. that's just the deal. But what I would say, Alta is a tough one. <laughs> you know, I, I bought my first pass at Alta last year and, uh, dude, Alta is really sick. And I, it, it's, it, it does suck that snowboarders aren't allowed I'm I'm sorry for you guys because I mean we're missing out or what yeah what back, are we missing out on? we yeah, don't know I never, we don't even know that wildcat chairlift bro it's like yo it's 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 really sick it's like a natural train park pretty much is it like the best around or what and we don't even know about it you're gonna say yeah it's that good it sucks dude it, it really does because Alta is just like it is that good it really is it really is and it sucks that that that's the mentality, but at least Alta is better than somebody like Deer Valley, you know. At least at Alta, when you park your car, you don't have people running out asking if they can put your ski boots on for you. Yeah, if they true. Can, you know, carry your shit into the lodge or something. Like, that's that type of, that's that, like, the culture of skiing compared to snowboarding. Like, Deer Valley is a really crazy culture. I mean, they hand around, they, they, they got people that they hire to give away coffees and cookies in the every lift line. Which is dope. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, that's that's. So we're missing out on that. There. But Noted. it's some pampered life. Up it's there. pampered life, yeah. dude. Especially when they come at you and they're like, "Yo, you need help putting your ski boots on." You look at them like, you should just say yes. What? <laughs> it's hard for me to say them. yes though, because <laughs> yeah. that shit is so goofy. Where I'm like, yeah. "Bro, this is what you do. Like, you get paid for this. Yeah, this you get is paid bananas. to put on people's ski, rich people's ski boots. <laughs> that is straight bananas." But yeah, I'd, I'd say it's hard for me to say anything about Alta because like it's it's really a sick mountain, and they like cater really well to skiers, and they're really they're really righteous people. It's just I I, I don't like the I don't like the mentality of like. Not letting only just skiers at a resort. Cause Especially in a year when it's all about inclusion and they're still just not changing anything, you know? I know. I know. You know what? Though? I, I, wanna, I got a take on this. If the lift's that good, though, man. Maybe we should start fighting more, try to get up there. It's true, but, like, at the end of the day, we're, like, we're snowboarding. It's, it's the fucking, we're already, skiing and snowboarding is already, we don't have a lot of problems. It's not like we have generally, the majority of people that do it are white. It's not like there's, like, too many things that are, like, fucking holding us back and so it's like so we, we can't ride a resort 
yeah, who gives a shit? Like, I think the fun skier, snowboarder, shit-talking banter of, like, skiing versus snowboarding, it's it's great. It's, like, it's good to have some of that stuff and, and fucking, you know, lightheartedly talk shit. And, and who ca- you know, like, if that's our biggest problem, it's not that big of a fucking problem. That's what I'm getting no, at. No, yeah, and the banter needs to be there, especially yeah. in cancel culture, bro. Like, yeah. I'm... Like, yeah, the more it goes on, the more it gets a little bit ridiculous. And just, like, I just want, when we're all on on the hill and we're doing our thing, not to have to, like, bite my tongue and, like, not to have to watch what you say and whatnot. And, like, there should be, like, you should be able to give your buddy shit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, on a, a, to an extent, you know, you don't want to go out there and just be, like, straight jerk to him. Just to be a dick to (laughs) everybody. But, like, I mean... Yeah, like skiing and snowboarding have had a riff for a little while, and like it's getting way, way better. But it's it is fun to keep, yeah, you yeah. know, a little bit of you know. But I feel like in my youth it was pretty it heavy. Yeah, of course. There was heavy shit talking when I was young, and now you'll Fuck, meet kids yeah. that do both, and it's cool. You know, Bro, I remember being like seventeen and being in the lift line at Mammoth, and like actually like having snowboarders being like, "Fuck, punch you." Punch you, yeah, like because like I just like fight. I would cut somebody <laughs> off and like not even realize it, trying to get into the line at, on the park chair of the mammoth because you know where the the slow signs come, everybody's fucking going yeah. that which way, yeah, and it got it, it was intense. People like, wanted right, to fight, like, one straight fight, <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like, yo, bro, I'm not even like I just hit puberty. I'm like, going through it. I'm so small. I'm not and trying little. to fight like, here. Yeah, word up, you're huge. Are you you will kick the shit out of me. Yeah, you like, win. For sorry, I like went in front of you without seeing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to see where it is now, it's fucking dope. Cause like I'm on the free ride world tour, hanging out with like Victor De La Rue and Gigi Ruff, like on the regular, and it's like there is nothing there. It's just like we're shredders. That's cool. Yeah, at a certain point of maturity, that's what happens. But I think when you're a kid, you have this stupid fucking yeah, it's fun. Thing. <laughs> One thing you don't realize is skiers. I've been touring lately. First time using poles in my life, dude. I love it. I'm loving the poles, dude. You got the. You guys can do the clap where you clink them together. That's dope. You can point at all the shit on the mountain. Oh, <laughs> oh, we got a uh, sunshine peak over there, and uh, pointing at shit with poles is sick. Dude, right? the clank is like actually like legit. When you're about ready to drop, and you got that. All right, filmers ready, and you get that count in, and like right before you, like I'll always just go one, two, and like that's a like, couple of clinks. It's like a, it's like here we just go. As you're once dropping you, in, yeah, and once you feel like that second pole clink, that's like it's, it's engaged, dude. It's a, it's weird. I've never really thought about that, but the pole clink together, like that's that's some shit. When you see somebody about ready to get a like on a film shoot or something, and you see those two poles clink together and drop in, get ready. It's something's because that down. dude has that feeling, and it brings a crazy feeling where, you know, yeah, like you guys don't have that. And also testing the snowpack, you whack the snow, you exactly whack the cornice. You know, you look way more extreme like doing <laughs> that than just trying to look over it. You know, <laughs> and it's another sponsor for yeah. you guys oh, to get yeah, more money. Is there different brands for? Yeah, poles? there's got to be different brands or no? Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get into uh, name that video part. What do you think? Oh, snap. Do I got to put on the headphones? Yep. Yes. Now, Name That Video Part is presented by the Dew Tour. Unfortunately, their winter event has been canceled, but it sounds like the skate event is going to happen, so stay tuned for that. They support us. You guys should support them. Now, let's get into Name That Video Part. Um, what's your confidence level, Tanner? Uh, zero through ten. On naming video parts? Yes. Name. I mean, I, I, what well, select riders? This is, this is actually snowboarding too. It's yeah, snowboarding with some select riders. I'm very confident, but I mean, there's a lot of riders out there and a lot of movies that I haven't <laughs> even seen. So let's see how this goes. Okay, let's see how it goes. Here we go. 
I know this one too, I feel like. It has something to do with the neck gaiter you're wearing. Uh, is it Lucas Magoon? That is correct. Yeah. I was going to say either Lucas Magoon or who was that? It was some Tech Nine movie I felt like it had it, but maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know. What so movie that, was that? That, that was Lucas, was Lucas in? Magoon in Rutland. Yes, Rutland, and, and the if, GBP. That's how I dude, know that. That's yeah. like what I first started watching when I linked up with the Gremlins. So, uh, you first of all, you won yourself. A little prize pack. We got a bomb Woo. hole cooler filled with bomb oh, hole merch. We got the mug. What? He's got the. I think we got some new sunglasses Shoot, in there. This stickers. Is like, this is the flyest shit I've ever worn, bro. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's <laughs> put it right next to your X Games gold. It's kind of of the same caliber <laughs> for real. <laughs> and uh, dude, I mean the culture behind this one's a little bit deeper than the X Games. <laughs> Appreciate How'd you that. get that neck gator? Lucas sent that to you, or well, yeah, um, I. I've been rocking goon gear for a little bit of time now. And I mean, I've been a big supporter of Lucas Magoon. I feel like how he got did in the industry was a little bit dirty. And then to see him like turn it all around in such, such a positive direction, man. Cause like to see where he like was before he got hurt to see where he is now. Mm -hmm. Like the transformation is real. Yeah, and, and quitting it's drinking like, and it's just amazing, bro. Yeah. Cause like the he's a type of dude I feel like our culture needs. Yes. You know, absolutely what I mean? he's we, one of those personalities. Yeah. And so after a couple years of rocking the gear, uh him and Tanya hit me up uh last summer and was like, Yo, we'd like to do a collab piece. And they put me in touch with uh Dave Doman. Sick. And Dave actually did up my goon gear piece they run they only did a limited line and it sold out like right away actually what was on your piece i don't think i, I don't even know if it was I saw that. it was just like their normal windbreaker and it's just said goon gear like that but on the back it was uh a, my face half lion it was like really? half of a lion and a spliff coming out of its mouth and then half of it was my face and that then like insane. the hair was like all smoke and weed leaves and shit it was fucking that and Doman cool. made that? Yeah, Doman. Hell yeah, Doman's the man. Check that out. That's Doman awesome. is the man, and it was sick to be in contact with that <laughs> fool and actually, like, you know, have... Go have, through the process. Go through the process yeah. with him, you know? And, yeah, bro, when I saw that Simon, you know, passed away recently, like, that really, yeah, kind of, like, made me think about, like, everybody, you know, especially Doman, because I know only times I ever kicked it was with, with Simon was over at... Like in the garage and stuff, but Doman seemed like he was there every day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He lived there. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was doing his art. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, crazy. Uh, rest in peace, Simon. Rest in peace, Simon. But yeah. yo, big up Dave and big up Lucas. And yeah, like just yeah, I'm real proud of Lucas and how he stepped up in the manhood and just the fatherhood. And yeah, he's killing it as a he's dad. Just, he's he's killing it really on all specs of life, you know. And I hope, I just hope that you know we start seeing, like, we have. He's starting to get it back a little bit, and I just, like, I'm really excited to know that the Goon Gear's trying to make a movie this year, so hopefully he's just getting clipped up, like, yeah. behind the scenes right now, and then all of a sudden, come next fall, we're like, holy shit, he's back. He's back. Yeah. Well, uh, if you guys haven't watched that Lucas Magoon in Rutland part, do me a favor, as you're going, about to go snowboarding or skiing, put that thing on. He's, like, running shit over with a Ford Bronco. He's, like, <laughs> riding dirt bikes. He's just reckless. He's killing it. One of the best goon parts of all time. And uh, that brings us to part two of Name That Video Part for our listeners and viewers. Here we go. Oh, dog. See, that's yeah, a hit. That for sure. But on tunes like that, like, 
Yeah, I'm going to have to say, I don't know if I know that one. Yeah, that's, that's all good. That's for our, <laughs> for our listeners anyway. We make it hard for them because they... Uh, They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Okay. So, yeah, that one's for, for them. That's not for me. That one's not for you. Yeah, that yeah. one's not Sick. for you. So it worked out. Yeah, yeah. you already won, dog. Yo. <laughs> yeah, you won. Nice. Okay, I think we should get into some hot takes. Now, a uh, common one we ask on the show is the Michael Jordan of snowboarding. Who you got? Michael Jordan of snowboarding? Travis Rice? Good answer. Michael Jordan of skiing? Michael Jordan of skiing? Henry Carlo? Worst trend in skiing or snowboarding? Worst trend in skiing or snowboarding? Going back, size medium. <laughs> medium. Yeah, kids being confused on what size of clothes to wear. And okay. all, bigger is always better. Like, just if you're wondering, stick figures, tight skinny jeans, like you can see every flaw. True. Big clothes, you can hide some flaws. And it goes real good to certain music. That's a great point. Um, so in snowboarding, one we talk about a lot of times is the beaver slap when you're in the left line and you and you slap your board. But uh, I wanted to know your take on what we call the harpoon, the skis over the shoulder, walking around. Yeah, it's 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 I do it. Yeah, you do it. It's a thing. Yeah, sometimes. Does it. Yeah, you know what I mean. You ever it's taken any, like, you ever taken anybody's head head off with that thing? Oh, fully, <laughs> fully. But those are the type of people that shouldn't be standing there. It's just the easiest way to carry skis. It, they got what? a lot of things. It's four. Things. I think more. It's, one like, thing. it's mainly for like. When I'm, like, done putting on all my gear and I grab my skis, I'm walking to the chairlift. Yeah. Like, I usually, like, if I'm hiking pipe or I'm hiking a jump or something, I'm always, like, right by my side, like, right here. Yeah. Or even if I'm, my arms are tired, I'll put it behind my back like that. Yep. Kind of like how people carry snowboards behind the back. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's more of an end-of-the-day thing. Or in the morning, I guess. Dude, they just got a lot of yeah. shit. They got a lot of shit to carry. A lot of stuff man. to carry. We do, dude. There's a lot or of right moving we got parts one. to skiing. It's we got one. The boots up. are heavy. Oh, my God. They're torture chambers. How come they haven't figured out a better boot yet? I don't know. It's insane. I guess it's because the boot and the binding are all in one. It's just like everybody's so quick to say, listen to the science. And it's just like, can we send some of that to ski boots? Because, yeah. like, they've got to change <laughs> at some point, dude. This is ridiculous. Okay. Well, I want to pivot into a s- another subject. Pivot is a word we like to beat to death on the show. Um, and that would be your four years off the booze. Now, what led to that? What were the events that led up to that? Well, uh, I mean, a lot of events led to it, dude. I was just not good at drinking. Drinking made me a complete different person. It made me say things I would never say. It made me do things I'd never do, make decisions I'd never make. Had me finding myself at an ATM pulling $300 out at like 4 in the morning for nothing positive whatsoever. And the amount of times that happened was amazing. And then in, you know, and then March 13th or March 12th, no, it was March 13th. Yeah, March 13th, uh, 2017, I got a DUI in the Squaw Valley parking lot because I had gotten a fight with my ex-girlfriend at the time and it was super early in the morning and I wasn't stoked, and I just stormed out of the house and went to Plump Jack's in the right by the tram or the Funatel at Squaw, and I started drinking there. And I was just going to have a couple beers and kind of, like, clear my mind, but then all of a sudden saw some buddies, like, leaving Plump Jack's at, like, 10 a.m., and they were on one, too, 
and I had, you know, I had some IPAs in me. I was feeling good, so I walked into, you know, uh, the rocker. And, yeah, the rest was history. I was, like, arrested and thrown in jail by, like, noon. Damn. I, I couldn't even remember. I don't know what happened. By noon? Yeah. I Ouch. fell asleep in my car, and I, I, I had started it. I think I even, like, drove couple of feet a couple of feet <laughs> and then just fell asleep with my car like right in the middle like thank god it was in park like thank god i didn't hit a little kid or yeah. somebody or anything like that you know and yeah it was just a scene like I, I made such a scene when the cops got there and it was like yeah it was time you know like that's waking up in jail when you don't even know why you're there is kind of a shitty feeling you know and for me and like what i want to accomplish and like what i'm trying to do with my life and the direction I'm going with like alcohol, it's just, it, it, alcohol is terrible, bro. It doesn't do anything for anybody. I feel like, I mean, it'd be nice if I could just have a couple. Cause it does, it is a nice thing. It seems like for skiers and snowboarders, like to have a sick day and like be able to go have one beer and talk about like how sick the day was. But like, I can't do that. Some people just can't do it. I can't, I can't, you know, it's just like how I smoke weed and shit. You know, I take the tobacco out like any addictive ingredient, and I don't like weed's not addictive. It's not. It's not. I'm living proof that marijuana is not even close to addictive because I had smoked so much, and it was because I was putting tobacco in the joints. And all tobacco really does, if you're smoking spliffs, it's like before you're even done, you're already thinking like, "Yo, I another your another next one. another one wouldn't be bad at this point." There's <laughs> yeah. bad homies around. Let's fucking smoke. You know what I mean? And that's like snowballs. And I lived that for so long, dude, where it was like, it's insane. So, like, I notice it right when I take tobacco out. It's like I smoke one joint a day at night because, like, I have a lot to think about. I know I have a lot going on for myself. I have to talk to people. I have to be able to communicate with people in a way where they're like, no way, this kid's on point. And, like, if I smoke now without tobacco, like, there's no chance of that. I have to, like, make sure that I have all my... Eyes dotted, all my T's crossed and everything before I can even have that joint at night. Because, like, I'm getting older. I feel that. And without the tobacco in there, like, it makes me just realize I wasn't even really smoking weed for, like, 20 years. I've just been smoking cigarettes. Yeah, you've been really just wanting those, the cig out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like with anything, you know, I can't, if I do something and I'm into it, I'm going to go all in. Which is great with skiing terrible for drugs and alcohol and that's what i've noticed myself like it's it's hard to do these things it's hard to it's hard because every day i still i still think about it you know i still think like maybe i can i'm good maybe i can have a couple drinks maybe maybe but at the end of the day i just know after trial and error because that's all we can do as human beings to like get better and like learn from mistakes is like if it didn't work once and you try it again and it didn't work and you try it again and it didn't work it's like the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result when you're just getting the same result and I realized like I was completely insane and that's a that's a beautiful thing one can learn about themselves you know it's like I'm a psychopath but it's like I, I know how to control my psychoticness now Incredible. It's interesting looking at the, it's simple data, right? If I go out and then try to have one beer and I get blacked out every time I try to have one beer, we, but we somehow can skew the data, right? The data doesn't, you can, you can adjust the data to where, ah, you know, I'm, 
I don't think that data was right. I think, I think I, no, I think Well, I this person was out there and like, well, he's not going to be there. So now it'll be totally mellow. It's like, no, totally. dude, it's you, you know, like yeah. you're the problem if like you can't control it. And it's just like, I've had so many years of trying to control it. And I was so over waking up, just be, like not remembering a thing, feeling like shit, feeling the Red Bull coursing through my veins from having like 20 Red Bull vodkas still. And then like waking up at X Games or something, having like the whole town look at you being like, holy fuck, dude, there's that kid. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, I didn't even think he was going to be alive. And then all of a sudden you're seeing that and that you don't even want to conversate with these people, mm-hmm. but you can tell like you fucked up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy shit, dude, like what happened? And then all of a sudden you see homies and they're just shaking their head like, dude, you did it again, huh? <laughs> And you're like, yo, that's a shitty feeling. And you dude. don't even know what you did. Yeah, at all. Damn. Well, that's, I want to run back too, because you look at the, it's kind of like the cost. I don't want to say the cost of fame, but in some senses, if you look at where you, you, your trajectory, you know, kid from Montana, overnight success, six figures at age 17 or whatever it is. And then, you know, just exponentially going up from there, contests, fame money, people surrounding you in, in, in a culture that encourages partying and, and then the pressures that all come along with that. And you kind of, you know, you, there, there's, you know, maybe no coping skills along. No, the, dude. The and like all I learned way. about alcohol when I was young is like, yo, I can like have sex with w- girls like this. Cause like, I'm, wasn't that, I didn't have a lot of confidence before like winning contests and everything. Like my confidence was real quiet. Like it was like, is like plotting, like how I'm going to go about this and like how I'm going to learn this and then how I'm going to go get to this plate and, and do what I just learned and like keep it going, you know? And so like I never really thought about chicks or anything. And once alcohol came into my life, I was like, damn, dude, this shit is like, it gives me the courage to do whatever I can. And that's all alcohol made me realize is like I can, I can hook up with chicks. And when you're young and stuff, dude, like hooking up with chicks, it's good. I mean, for, for certain people. For me, it was great because, like, it it brought another certain level of confidence where I'm like, whoa, dude, I didn't even imagine ever laying next to a gal like this. And then all of a sudden, it's like every weekend you're, like, saying the same thing. And then all of a sudden, you're, like, hooking up with chicks you've never even thought was possible. And so that's that's dangerous. You're mixing star power with, like, a serious substance like alcohol. That's, that's, That's dangerous. And I just thank God that, you know, I haven't had, like, a kid or, uh, and, and why I say thank God I haven't had a child or something like that is because if I were to have a child right now and it was from one of those, like, alcohol-induced moments and nights, like, I've seen, like, horror stories of some people that have done that, like, hooked up one night stand and then had a kid and then has, has had a relationship with a counterpart that has been so unhealthy for their lives and it did nothing good. It did nothing good for the kid's life. It did nothing good. And that's all alcohol related. So like the fact I never, the fact I never had a kid, the fact that I never like literally had the shit kicked out of me in a way where it's just like, and there's probably a couple instances where I was at a bar talking shit to the wrong people where it could have so easily happened, where I could have ended my ski career. Like, I could have got beat to a bloody pulp to the point where I couldn't have skied anymore. And, like, thinking about stuff like that, dude, it's 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 so... If, if shit were to end like that, if all this... If, like, I couldn't go ski and do all these things that I got in my brain because of something like that, that's so unacceptable. 
it's so unacceptable, man, especially like for the, where I take inspiration from and like what I think is really cool in this life. Like, yeah, it would have been pretty sad to know like this would have all came to an end because of drugs or alcohol. Yeah, I know a guy who got their knee taken in by a baseball bat and his career ended that way. And that's, that's harsh. It's a serious thing because, yeah. dude, like when when you're killing it and you're at these parties and you get fucked up, you if you're not a cocky fucking dude, you're you're lucky. Cause like that doesn't really happen. I'd show me one kid that's mad young that's straight killing it right yeah, now. You're gonna that get gets cocky. that gets hammered. Yeah. That's just like oh no oh please and thank you sir no this, like it has manners all this shit they go all out the fucking window dude very rare yeah very rare. So I have a question. While this is all happening, did it couple with dark times as well? Oh bro, yeah the darkest of times, the darkest of darkest of times you know. And, uh, dude, alcohol is just crazy because, like, dog, I have a lot of buddies that, you know, I I know that are struggling even now, you know, whether it be alcohol or drugs. I mean, it can basically debilitate everything that you thought you knew. And not only thought you knew, you do know 100% and you're physically capable of. That's the crazy thing to me. That's when the deep, dark hole starts slipping in is because when you get so ingrained in drinking or doing drugs, you start questioning your ability and you start questioning your self-worth. You start questioning, like, is it is this even worth it? Not even your self-worth. Like, is, it, is this, like, because at some point you're going to want to start fucking partying your face off if you're hurt or something and to know that like it's what is it that saying like the 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 juice is worth the squeeze or something whatever that is that yep, that's all right that's, I think that's, that's it saying, so yeah. like i just realized that and i hope that i can give other people inspiration that may be struggling right now because like my life it's the the juice is shredding you know what i mean that at the end of the day like my life is shredding and shredding such a small part of people's lives, you know what I mean? But that's the one thing I know, like, if I can go do that even for an hour or two hours a day, that's where my self-worth, that's where my mental health, that's where everything is is actually attained or, or, or I have control of, you know? And I realized as time was going on that maybe I was skiing to party. Like, I would, I would ski... And I would try to go so hard, and then when something great would happen, I was like, okay, here we go. You know what I mean? And I did that, like, again, trial and error, trial and error. And it got me to the point where, dude, I was, like, treating my friends like shit. I think, like, my rock bottom was, like, you know, treating a significant other, like, really like shit. My parents, my brother, my, like, you know, my rock bottom is when I really started, like, lashing out at, like, the ones that really truly love me and that will always be there for me, you know. And that's the type of deep, dark hole where it's, like, you got to be careful. Because, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, there was parts, like, I actually have thought about taking my own life in those, when I've been in those situations. Where it's just, like, I can't deal anymore. I can't do this. I just don't want this feeling anymore. And you and you don't even really realize that it's literally your substance abuse. You know, and that's why I give a lot to, like, like weed for me, man. It's It's... Weed was the one thing that always made me, like, 
on my shit in a way. Like, weed half the time would not make me want to drink. Like, if everybody's getting ready to go out and, like, I had a split before, like, the movement out the door to have a big night. Like, half the time I was like, dude, I ain't going. Yeah, you Like, this seems like a lot of work, you know what I mean? And I, and I would have to replay those scenarios over in my head to be like, yo, what is wrong with me? Like, why isn't this connecting? You know what I mean? And so I think, you know, weed's not for everybody, but if you know how to, con- if you, if you know how to take a step back and do some, uh, like self evaluation and you can really break it down to like what the root of the problem is. And you can, and if weed has been in your life and it has had those things of like, well, I don't really want to spend this money right now. I don't really want to go drink right here. I don't, that's what marijuana did to me. It always made me question, am I doing the right thing? And that's why I'm like, wow, the whole thing about a gateway drug and all this stuff. Like I don't like for me personally, I don't believe that it opened a, it opened like a path for me to make a right decision in my life and a conscious one and be okay with that conscious decision of like, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. I don't need pain pills. I don't need cocaine. I don't need any of this shit anymore because like what I get through marijuana is like a meditative, like a meditation vibe in a way where like, that's how I got into meditation was smoking weed and actually like calming myself down to be like, okay, this feels weird. But at least like if I'm in this state of mind, maybe I can start figuring out who to talk to. Cause like in a meditation space for me, I just learned like I talk to a higher power and not, not, not necessarily God, not necessarily anything. It's my higher power that basically I learned through AA and through smoking weed pretty much, you know? And like the AA situation, when I got that DUI, it wasn't even, it did, they didn't even make me go. Like the courts didn't even appoint it. I just hit a point in my life where like nothing made sense. You know what I mean? And, you know, I got an uncle that's been sober for 40 years now and he still goes to AA pretty much like twice a week. But before that he was going to like three sessions a day, you know, but that's like, that was his path, you know? And so I did, I did AA in Kings Beach in Tahoe for like six straight months, every single solitary day while blown on alcohol monitors and just trying to find the answers to like, what is happening to me and like, how can I control this? You know? And yeah, I think, I just think, you know, it's insane. And I hope people that do get to that point, like it's not hard to realize like when shit goes overboard, you know, if if people are getting away from you, if you're not having the same people hit you up every day and you're hanging around a bunch of people that want to just party with you, instead of like see you do well like those are the signs you got to be looking for man not everybody has your best interests and that's what i've learned like nine times out of ten your enemies are going to be the ones you've been hanging out with a lot you know and like it sucks to have that self-realization it really does but dude i mean if you learn that and you can be okay with that that's like that's growth right there bro because you that like you once you learn that waking up and leaving the house like i'm solid I'm not going to drink alcohol or do any drugs. I'm solid that I have enough confidence to talk to whoever I need to talk to. I'm solid. Whether you like me or not, I don't give a shit because I'm still here and I have the confidence that I did not used to have. Mm-hmm. I used to just hit fucking decline on my phone every time somebody would call me, even parents and stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, I avoiding. can't do that. Avoiding, yeah. avoiding, yeah. avoiding, avoiding, yeah. you know? Why, why were you avoiding that's a, well. That's the trait of somebody using, and it's not feeling well a lot of times. You know, that's a that's a general. I I see a lot in you know avoidant in the people in my life that have have done that. It's it's 
telltale sign. Also, another, another sign you were talking about earlier is pushing people away. And if you have a friend and you're worried about them and they're pushing you away, chances are they're in a bad place. Yep. So that's another another telltale sign. You're like, dude, I just tried to help my friend and he was a fucking dick. He pushed me away. Well, you might want to push a little harder because they're probably they're probably in a bad space. Another note is like, hey, if you're looking to get sober, AA, great fucking way to do it. And then lastly, the reason why I asked that question is like, were you in a dark place? I just think it's important for people to know. Like somebody like Tanner Hall fucking won all the shit, was in that same dark place. The person that's listening to this that's maybe feeling that way, that maybe thinks they're alone, they're not. Everybody goes through shit. Everybody goes through struggles. It's fucking normal. That's why we talk about it. Now, what I want to get into is after you ended up quitting drinking and all that shit, what were the lifestyle changes? Did you start hitting the gym or did you start getting crazy on that? Because that's a common switch, right? Yeah, I definitely went psycho on the gym. You know, that was was the big thing. And I never really... Like, I've been in the gym before, but I've always been in the gym, like, still getting, like, putting a substance in my body, you know what I mean? And, like, the day I stopped doing drugs and drinking, it was, like, holy smokes. Like, the level of strength that I gained was, like, second to none. Like, that's why I'm still here, you know Basically, what I mean? the substance was holding you back. You're yeah. working out and not really achieving any goals. 100. And that's why, and essentially why I broke both my legs and tore both ACLs is because I got so bad with my drinking and drug use that I didn't have any muscle. I wasn't going to the gym. I wasn't eating food. I wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I was partying right. and skiing. Yeah. And that you, you're only going to get away with that until like. Until you don't. <laughs> until your legs break or knees, knees joints. And what sucks is, dude, in this industry, it's hard, bro. Like, it's hard because we're adrenaline driven, right? Like, if you're a rider, it's hard to spot, like, who's having a problem and who's not. It's really hard, dude, because we're all adrenaline fucking junkies, dude. It's like you can't. Kids, too, generally as well. Oh, it's crazy. And it's like it's it's, it's nuts to me to learn how many people actually struggle with this shit. You know what I mean? And it only takes, like, getting hurt once. It only takes, like, fuck, dude, it can be something as simple as asking a girl out and she just clowns on you. And then all of a sudden that's all it took. And then you're. Your confidence is shattered to a point where only substance is going to bring it back. Bring it back up. And those are type of things like you would never even think because you're like, oh, well, this somebody I look up to is like, wait, what? Like he asked a girl out and they didn't say, I thought you guys just fucked whatever you wanted to. And it's just like, no, dude, like there's every aspect of life is like, I'm just as scared as anybody else about anything, you know, probably more. But it's like, if you are just, if you don't want to actually wonder why you get so bummed out or you're so you get anxiety or you if you if you don't want if you if you start feeling all this stuff and you don't have a want to like go figure it out like substance is what you're going to turn to yep it's true yeah easy and it's readily available available everywhere we i grew up in the era of like 2001 when i came into this shit like it was cool to do drugs and drink Mm -hmm. your team managers were feeding you it and now to see it with, like, Olympics and everything, like, kids can't be fucked up. Like, if you, I mean, they can. Like, film kids can get whatever they want. Like, you can go get fucked up and still, like, if you are your, if you have a grip on it, you can still go out and get clips. But I'm going to be here to tell you, it's only going to last for a certain amount of time. Because until you can get your shit together, dude, you're going to come, you, it's, it's going to come to a point where injury is going to change the course of your life if you don't clean your shit up. 
It's not if, but when. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your body's just not yeah. performing right. And it's when I'm looking at these right. little Olympic kids now, it's like they can't do that, dude. The level of fucking shredding, like Jesus Christ, that shot of Sven Torgman, like out in fucking the Prime Park, just like it's like the normal Instagram clip that's being replayed every day now, where he does triple backside rodeo, and oh, he's yeah. like getting. It's I'm like. He, you can't get fucked up. No, you gotta, you gotta be that. on your shit. On yeah. your shit, dude. That <laughs> trick looks so fucking scary. And it's just like, holy yeah. shit, dude. One little... Dude, you catch your tail side edge on landing and slap the back of your head. You, that's lights out. Yeah, you're done. Especially on a back rodeo, too. It's like the way you come around on that trick is so much impact because you pop so hard. So you gotta be in good shape. You can't do that trick if you're not going to the gym and taking care of yourself straight up. And that dude shot in the Scandinavians too, where he like front boards that fucking thing, then backside two or backside one mm. eighties onto the down rail. 50, 50 back to yeah, or whatever like, yeah. that was. That was yeah. so fucked, dude. I'm looking at those shots where I'm like, you kids can't, it's either you're going to fucking commit to like being one of the gnarliest fucking kids. That's going to put himself into so much danger every day and be good with that. Or you're going to just party. I want to know what your take is on coaching in skiing and the sport and snowboarding and all that. It's tough for me. I, I coaching. I mean, like, I don't know. It's hard because coaches, depending on who they are, it's it can be good to to get help from somebody. But then, like for me to look at what it's done to the younger generation, like creativity is being pulled from our sport right now. Because if you got somebody telling you how to do something, when to eat food, what time your flight's at, you got to get in the van now. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to fucking not think for yourself. Do what I tell you. Put on your mask and be a good boy. It's like I don't really know if that's a good thing for these young fifteen to sixteen, fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen year old kids to 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 have. Because the one thing that we had when we were mad young coming up is like how to think for ourselves and how are we going to go out and get it ourselves. Now it's like kids don't really have to think for themselves anymore and they've got some dude appointed to them that the whole country, like like the country of Japan, the country of the United States, the all these countries appoint these these specific people to these groups of kids. And I'm like, wow, okay. It's kind of nuts, dude, because I even, like I was in – copper i think early season last year it was right after a pipe event and my homie taylor seaton like took me into the condo like a u.s team condo just for a second because he had to do some interview with this fucking i don't know like a newspaper or something i just remember being in there and like one of the u.s team kids is like sitting in a bathtub with like mad rubber duckies in there and shit and i'm kind of like you know, in my brain, I was like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Like, this is some weird-ass shit. How old are we talking about? I think, like, like 18, 19, or 20. Okay. And I don't know. Maybe that's... I, I don't know who the kid is. I don't know his background. But I know that he's been coached a lot. And he sits in a bathtub at night or whenever after a contest. And he's not, like, it's not showering and stuff. It's like sitting in a bathtub with, like, mad rubber duckies. And that was like a metaphor in my brain to be like, oh, my God, dude, is this what's fucking happening? Like, is this what, like, coaching is bringing into skiing is just making kids into children again? Because, like, you don't have to think for yourself. You don't really have to do much. And you're getting, like, taken around. And now it's like if it's not your coach, it's your agent. And if it's not your agent, it's this your publicist. If it's not your publicist, it's like if you got all this shit around you, like, your creative outlook is kind of distorted. And it's like, I'm not saying you can't come up with tricks and stuff. Like, obviously, if you're at a point with your writing that you, you, you're you going to be able to think of some shit to do. 
But like, dude, ski, like they say in Aspen Extreme, dude, skiing's the easy part, Carl. <laughs> it's like how you attack, how you do it off the hill, that makes it that much better. About when you come back on the hill, of like how much better you're gonna get and whatnot. Dude, uh, I want to just highlight something you were talking about earlier with the what you're kind of describing is like coaching, which is like structured play. And there's a documentary on HBO. I don't remember the name of it, but they basically studied a bunch of def- different athletes. They studied. Wayne Gretzky and a bunch of other guys. And out of all the pro athletes, the thing that separated the the good professionals to the greats like Gretzky was unstructured play. Like Wayne Gretzky, for example, he grew up playing pond hockey. So he would skate around on the ice and basically they would play their own games of hockey into a trash can. And, you know, he learned how to play behind the net and all these things. But essentially it all came from essentially not being coached and being creative and, you know, just circling back around, it's literally exactly what you just said. And they, they prove that in this documentary of the good to great is the unstructured, the unstructured play where kids learn how to do it on their own. So interesting footnote. But Well, yeah, and when we're young, it's like it was, the, it was your rat pack. That's mm-hmm. how you got better. It was like you would see a homie do something that you wanted to do for so long, and you're like, wait, you didn't even tell me you knew how to fucking do that. And then all of a sudden, next run, you're doing it. Because mm-hmm. it's at, like, it's at, like you, you, you feed off feed of your it, homies. You exactly. Yeah. And especially with how close you are when you're a young kid with like your shred crew, mm-hmm. those are like that's like you're out there with like like homies, and it's dope being young because you don't even know how to lie and shit yet. You don't. There's no reason to lie, and it's like if you do lie, it's like dumbass, like little fucking like I saw fucking a pterodactyl in the sky the other day, and you're like, <laughs> little, yeah, little sweet. you know what I mean? Like something dumb. <laughs> that is a great example of what a kid would say. Hey, I want to get into a, another Patreon question. It's from your buddy, uh, Scotty the Body from Wild, an air horn. Mm-hmm. Wild Mike's, one of our biggest fans. So uh, you've won so many major contests, and I was lucky enough to have been with you at both the X Games and the Dew Tour before you dropped in the half pipe after all the riders have gone, and you basically had to land a perfect run to win, which you ended up doing. After the contest, I would ask you, if how are you able to handle that pressure? You always said your mind was already at the after party before you dropped in. I was wondering if you could talk about that mindset and how your process works. Well, that mindset was... And if that changed after yeah. you quit drinking. Yeah, for real. It's <laughs> a great question. Well, I mean... I, yeah, no, I mean, at, at, at some point when I, was in the, when, I, when I was in the realm of like year after year winning and I was in the zone... It was like I was doing so much prep early season that when I went to, when I would get to contest, I could just see like kids that didn't prep. I could see just on the look on their faces and stuff. You know, I'm very in tune with like body movements and 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 looks and like eyes where they're going, everything. You know, I'm very intuitive with that type of shit. I can read people very well, and I think that really helped me out with contest because I just knew if I did everything that I could to prepare and not get hurt and be feeling good, by the time I got in that start gate, you know, like people are going to have a big problem, like a big problem. And that's, like, to be able to find that zone and be able to stay in that zone. I just, I, I found a routine, man, and I stuck with it. That's, like, anything in life. Like, you just find a routine. You know, that's, a, like, that that's, that has everything to do with mental health and everything and, like, your 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 self-esteem, your 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 general outlook on everything. Like, if you have a good routine in life... And it it might feel like it gets repetitive, but don't like have like let those feelings just brush them off because repetitive. There's nothing bad with being repetitive, 
repetition is the father of learning. And so that was like kind of how I looked at it. You know what I mean? And I would just do it over and over and over again. I'd pick my run in like November and I just do it over and over again at Mammoth or June, June mountain, big, big respect. Hopefully that <clears throat> place can come back. But I just remember doing everything that I could and just do repetition, just getting miles. You know what I mean? Cause I knew kids weren't out there like with my mentality, like back in the day. Like, skiers still didn't have, like, I think I was the first, like, real psychopath with all this shit. <laughs> and I think, like, Henrik saw the psychoticness, and he's like, yo, I found his, like, his equation is as clear as day. It's not like I was hiding anything. It's not like it's a secret. It's just, like, do you want to be that, like, gnarly on how you go about, like, your skiing, and you're, like, doing everything you can to get to where you need to be. And that's just all repetition. And a lot of people, I think, can get bored with stuff if they keep doing it over and over again. But, like, if you love that feeling, like, that feeling I was talking about, like, like that feeling I, I, I'm still chasing to this day. If you have that and then you realize what repetition can do for yourself, that's the deadliest combination a skier or snowboarder could have, like, going into a contest. That mentality, that is the winning formula right there. And I see Henrik. Like, I see how he does it. And I see... I just see it. I, I, I see, like, what I had in, like, and how I passed it off to a couple of my homies where I'm like, wow, dude. Like, out of, like, a lot of stuff that I'm proud of is, like, getting off of alcohol and maybe passing that to Henrik are, like, two of my biggest, like, things I'm most proud of. Because, like, skiing, you know, skiing needs a dude like Henrik. And I've always said it, like, when Henrik gets, when he's done competing, the shit's going to get pretty stale. So there's a lot of, like, I don't know, bro. Like, there's there's a lot of... I mean, there's one gymnastics out in the world, right? We don't really need another one. <laughs> and, so Henrik, and Henrik don't... He's like, you watch him come through a finish line, and that motherfucker be doing some weird-ass shit with his Blue hands. Blue yeah. Like, yeah, I've seen that. Doing all kinds of weird shit, and, like, that's, that's fun. Mm-hmm. When I watch that, I'm like, fuck, dude, this kid is having way mm-hmm. more fun than the kid that came through, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, first jump didn't go so good, and I didn't get my mute grab, so hopefully the second jump's going to be a lot better and uh, can really bring it really bring it home for the third jump. You know? But we're working. You're just like, dog, <laughs> it just sounds so generic, you know what I mean? So it's like to see Henrik coming through and having as much fun that he has, but then all of a sudden, like, right when it's time to get back on that sled and go back up, it's like that smile gets wiped off his face, and it's straight, just like eyes gazing back to the lip, and it's like, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is like, that's priceless, bro. That's a priceless, that's a priceless, uh, I don't even know, it's a priceless thing to be able to, to, to pass on to somebody, and, you, and, and it's hard to pass it on. Because I didn't sit down with Henrik and be like, here's the formula, dude, now do this. We've never talked about it. But that kid always, like, he's he's always, he's the most, he's full of gratitude, right? So it's like, that dude just called me actually two nights ago. And he just landed in Denver. And he, like, he just wanted to let me know, like, yo, gee, like, just wanted to say big up, like, you're the reason why I'm here. And I'm like, well, like, big up, G, but, like, fucking A, like, I... I don't even know what to say to that. Like, go, you know what you're doing right now. You did it last year. You like, cause I, me and him were tied with the most golds until last year at the big air where he won his eighth and he surpassed me. And it's like, it was insane because the homie comes up to him, puts a mic in his face and they're like, yo, you just, you just surpassed Tanner Hall with the most gold medals. And like, how are you feeling? You're sitting on top of the world. You have, you have the most gold medals, any skier in the world. Like, how are you feeling right now? 
homie goes off for like two straight minutes about like why he doesn't count it and why I have more medals because he has way more opportunities to get medals with like a knuckle huck and a big air here and like X games, <laughs> Europe and all wow. this stuff. And he's like, he's like when Tanner was doing it, no, he would just win that shit back to back to back. So I don't even think he fucking counts this shit. So I'm not going to, I'm like, Oh my God, dude, like little man showing like a shit ton of respect. So it's like, that's cool. He, I know he knows that program, but yet he would never say it, but he's, 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 he, he's very, He's very good at letting me know, like, dude, like, thank you very much. That's cool. And not even telling me what he's thankful for. And I know it's just like that's that common bond me and ha- me and that little man have together. So dope. It's, dude, there's a, a bunch of incredible things in, in that past little uh, segment you are just talking. And, like, one, when I think about H- Henrik, he's got that, uh, that inten- intangible thing we like to describe on here as flavor. You know, it's just like, and, and you want to know who to root for, right? You, you you go back to the guy who's talking about, well, I hope my third run goes better. You know, that impersonation. Like, when you don't have personality, you don't root for him. When you see the guy coming across the finish line and he's like, you know, like he's got Wu-Tang in his headphones or whatever's going on, you're like, I, I like that guy. He's like, kind of seems like he's having a good time out there. Well, you know what's crazy, and, too? Yeah. A lot of those kids that are getting beat by Henrik, yeah. there's been a lot of, like, kids are starting to now hate on him and say that he's getting scored way too high and he's been getting gifts now for for far too long where I'm like, even other homies, like, that are the best skiers in the world that are more near Henrik's age had to go on their social medias just last week and be like, yo, I've heard a lot of talk about, like, some of the other athletes complaining about why Hanky gets the scores that he does and, like, why he's getting it what it is. And here's why I'm going to tell you thing you just said. First thing that came out of Magnus's mouth was he has flavor, mm-hmm. and you guys gotta realize that. And how he looks at it is not, not how you're it's looking not fucking at it. gymnastics based exactly. sport. And going back to one other thing, which you hear the constant we hammer it on all the time, and I'm fascinated because I love watching fucking sports documentaries and all this shit, and it's it's fun to to kind of like dissect humans and how they how they are able to achieve great things at times. And when you look at you know it's consistency, you know like people people hide behind talent. But you look at consistency, and it's it's not one thing that happens. It's not like oh, this person was born with this special thing, and all of a sudden they went they have something different that I don't have. But it, it's incremental gains over a small, long period of time. So it's like if every day you go up, and every day maybe you you work, improve, learn a new grab, but it's just one small step. It's all small steps over time, like you're saying. Like yeah, but what Henrik has too, next to all those other kids, Henrik's out like stacking street clips. He's out point. in the backcountry yeah. doing trips into like first track yeah. landings. He's out there doing stuff where these kids are like, well, I just did a double cork 1980. Why didn't I beat him? And it's like, well, dude, you, you're wearing size medium. 1980. Is that, a, is that a going on these days? 1980. Yeah. yeah. That's what skiers are hitting? Yeah, the Holy size medium skiers are doing 1980s <laughs> and, and and complaining why they're not beating <laughs> Henrik when it's just like that see like it it should be a common sense thing, but I guess if you're chucking a 1980 and not standing on the podium, you're it, it might bug you out a little bit, but yeah, if you that. don't understand why Henrik is beating you at mm-hmm. this point, like I then you're probably never going to get it. You're never going to get yeah. it. You're never going to get it, man. And that's a problem with skiing and like these coaches, like cuz a lot of the kids that are complaining about Henrik are coached day in, day out. Like day in, day out. Henrik doesn't Dude, Henrik's the the, the the sweetest national team fucking coach. I think Henrik got to appoint it and it's Henrik's best friend Nicholas Erickson that he got to grow up skiing with. Mm-hmm. 
So imagine that, dude. It's just like his homie that he's in the Stargate with. Yeah. That's and like Nicholas ain't, what is Nicholas going to fucking tell Henrik? Oh, dip your shoulder a little harder on that nose butter triple 16. No. He ain't saying anything, dude. He's like, yo, he's motherfucker, like, oh, you rip. got this. You know, this is what, this is what he does. You do. Yeah, he says at the top, he says, make sure you have fun out there. And that's it. That's his job. That's, that's his job. Yeah. Pat him on the back. Yo. Okay, let's get into, uh, I got to talk to a good friend of yours um, named Neil Provo. Yeah. And we are going to get into the guest question, which is presented by Solomon Snowboards. Now, recently, I tested out the Solomon Sleepwalker. I was up with Stony Buds. Uh, it is an extremely soft board. Perfect jib board. Tommy Gesme rides that thing and absolutely destroys it. So, uh, yeah, Solomon supports us. You should support them. Check out SolomonSnowboards.com. And with that, we will get into the guest question from Neil Provo. Here we go. What up, Easton and Grandies? This is Neil Provo calling in with a question for my boy Tanner Hall, a.k.a. Doug Dugout. Tanner, when the ankle heals up this time around, I wanted to see if you've got any redemption plans to get back up to Alaska. Come do some some glacier camping with me again. <laughs> Don't forget those puffy pants, brother. <laughs> Woo! I heard you guys had a wild AK trip. Oh, God, dude. Well, Neil, to tell you the truth, dude, I'd be more than happy to go up and camp in Al- an Alaskan glacier with you. On a high-pressure system. I do not want to go back and do what I just did a while back with, yeah, I don't know. Me and Ian, Ian and Neil Provo, if you guys don't know, they're two brothers that live up in Park City, Utah that are just insane mountain people. And, like, not just wintertime. They are summertime. They are, like, they are very, and they're, they're, they're mountain men. Like, that's what they do. They know mountains. They know how to move around them. They know how to catch fish in them. They know how to bike in them. They know how to hike in them. They know how to, they know how to do everything. <laughs> so, they had been snow camping quite a bit. We're up in Alaska. This is, like, 2015 or, yeah, 2015 or 16, one of the two. But it was just insane because I get up there. I'm, I'm on a heli trip for a little bit trying to stack some footage, but then it was like the whole plan was like Ian and Neil were going to get into town. Pete Alport was going to come in from Bend, Oregon, and then John Spriggs was going to – we are all going to just get a bunch of food. We got a bunch of tents. We got we got all the gear that we needed. We are going to fly back, sit – like camp right next to this mountain called Tomahawk and basically try to go hike lines, right? <coughs> well, I'd never snow camped in my life. And these dudes have. I think I took out, I think my jacket wasn't even waterproof that I took out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did that. It was insane. Just going we, pure cotton? Pure we're talking? cotton. Bro, we got 15 <laughs> feet of snow in nine days. What? It, it was like, that's why he said dug, dug out, because that's like literally what I did. I dug out my tent the fucking entire time until day seven, where I remember, and this is like the fact, like I remember... When it was daytime on this day, I'm, like, in the kitchen tent with Spriggs looking at him like, I'm starting to worry for my life. <laughs> really? Oh, I've never worried for my life. <laughs> and you were worrying for I'm, your life. I started worrying <laughs> for my life. And it was fucked. Because I just remember, dude, I was soaking wet the entire time. Ian and Neil give us these fucking microfiber towels that are washcloths, right? They're literally, like, this big. And they're like, okay, so, like, when your tent gets a little wet or your sleeping bag's just a little wet from condensation, here's just microfiber towel. They dry out really well. Just wipe them down with this. You were squeezing. Oh, dog. 
by like day two or three, I'm fucking in my tent, in my sleeping bag. I'm, it's so, everything's soaking wet. I'm, I'm fucking taking this rag and doing this to my tent. It Water's falling on me. It's making me soaking wet. I'm like wringing out the fucking thing. It's drenched. And that's like, kind of like, this is not okay, dude. Like, this is not all good. Cause I'd look, I'd like look outside and see Ian and Neil in like fucking Mount Everest gear. Like they were like, look like marshmallow. They look like astronauts. They had all the waterproofing gear. They, had they didn't everything. tell you that you had well, to they have did, that I stuff. mean, they did, they, they did. <laughs> but if you don't go snow camping, yeah. G, and it's like, gnarly. I don't know, at one point, dude, on day four, it like was borderline raining. So, like, the snow was, like, this fucking big. It just, like, it would touch your tent. It would just go soaking wet. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is not good. And just the amount of shoveling I would have to do, I was like, it would make me sweat like crazy. And I think, like, that storm was really gnarly. I yeah. think, like, not a lot of people will go out and have it that bad. But, yeah, I remember, like, I think it was night seven where Pete wow. Alport, like, comes up, and it's, like, three in the morning. He's like, T, it's time to dig out, dude. You're looking pretty buried. And right when I woke, he woke me up. I just remember I that's the, that that was the, that was my breaking point. I fucking lost it. I think I started yelling at him, being like, "I don't give a fuck, Pete. Then dig my shit out, cause I'm fucking over this, dude. Let me fucking bury myself. This is the stupid shit." Just started fucking losing it, right? And so I didn't get out of my tent. And I fucking just remember I had a pre roll in my tent, and I was like, "Fuck it, dude. I'm gonna smoke one. I'm gonna pass out." So I smoked one. Oh, I fucking passed out, dude. And I think I like fucking like five in the morning or so it only took like an hour where i was like i open my eyes and i'm like damn it's mad dark in here because usually like my tent was up and when i'd open my eyes like i could see like the like just orange or something right yeah. i had an orange black diamond tent and i just remember opening up my eyes and being like Fuck, it's mad dark I was like, time to dig so i like go to sit up and i'm like laying down and i get up and it's just like no oh, fuck dude are you kidding me and then I'm like looking and I put my hand out my whole tent like I'm underneath the snow my tent's fucking gone Pete didn't dig you out huh no, <laughs> poor didn't dig me out that's for damn sure and so what was crazy though I was so over it that pissed me off even more than Pete telling me it was time I to dig out my to. tent you know what I did I straight up in my sleeping bag I just go as hard as I can and just try to fucking open that thing up. I popped out of my fucking tent and breached the snow and it's still dark. It's pounding. And I just start going, why me, God? No. Just flipping, dude. It was the worst. It was the worst. So like now my tent's fucked. My sleeping, all my clothes, everything's fucked. I like start feeling like I'm getting sick and shit. And I'm like, oh, this is, like, the whole, like, started worrying for my life. Yeah, it, like, I started really worrying for my life right there. And I basically slept in the dome tent for just that night and then the next night. And then on day nine, we had a tiny little break in the weather. And it was fucked up because it was, like, a break in the weather. And we're all, like, looking at the new, like, the weather and whatnot. And it just it looked like just this another supercell was about to just engulf <laughs> us. I call up Drake. I was like, dude, get me the fuck out of here. Like, I cannot, like, I didn't want to look at my ski boots. I didn't want to think about skiing. I didn't want to hike lines. I didn't want to be there. And so I get, I get me and Spriggs and Pete, we all get taken out of the backcountry. And then all of a sudden, nine days of high pressure just sank in. And Ian and Neil just went and fucking crushed. But I mean, <laughs> those I, guys were loving it. Dude, at that, time, right? you know, 100. And I think Aspen Rain Weaver was there. And then uh, a couple of their other homies, like, actually flew out and took our spots in the camp spot. 
But I mean, even even if we'd known that nine day high pressure was there, there's People no over it. I was so yeah. over it. I've dude. heard I've heard the snow camping's not not for it sucks. everybody. Yeah, dude, it sucks. sucks. Dude, it yeah. sucks. Bro. I don't know why people do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's insane. You're just basically setting yourself up for what just happened to you. Disaster. You know? like, I mean, even if it was like starry nights and everything, it's like still it, cold. It would have been get tough wet out shooting. One hundred. You know? And if it you don't dry, you're, you're screwed. <laughs> and it just really re- re- made me realize, like Ian and Neil go out in the backcountry all the time. They like they know how to build their wind walls they're good they know like what gear they know mineralist packing like they're very smart very they're in- built for this shit. yeah they're built for it you know and i got that was my first realization like i could have probably had a better intro to snow camping but i think my first snow camping experience was kind of like i never want to do it again <laughs> i've heard a lot of people say that though, yeah even yeah. on different conditions yeah. you'll hear me dude i even in this movie ring the alarm there's a excerpt where i was like yo i give it up to people like jeremy jones and those type of dudes because like <laughs> that's no fucking joke dude i made me realize like i like having a hot shower after shredding i like watching like some amenities TV. man i like yeah <laughs> like i like hot food like in warm environments me you know too. what i mean me too. i don't like Jet boiling a cup of water and pouring it into a plastic bag and being like, this is great food. It's, <laughs> it's not. not, dude. It's not great food. It's not. It's not dude, there was eating. one point of that camping trip where I remember going outside because I was just so bummed and I was like, fuck, dude, I got to take a piss. I get out of the dome tent and, bro, it was the craziest shit. There was like fucking 200 black crows just fucking parked, like probably like 300 feet away from our tent. And I'm like, yo, what? The They're waiting for you to die that, so they yo, come that's, eat. That's where my head went. And Ian and Neil are like, no, these birds, like, they weather the storm. Like, the storm is really, it's it's bad right now. So they're actually, like, just getting a break. And I'm looking at them like, you have, how do you fucking know that, dude? They're out there waiting for us to die so they can come and just that's eat what us. I'm you know thinking, what I mean? dude. Holy shit, bro. Like, that was the, yeah, that sucked. It sucked. It sucked, dude. That was heavy as fuck. I remember leaving and just, like, looking at Ian and Neil, like, it's good luck, but what's crazy, dude? They fucking stayed out an extra, what was it, an extra twelve days? And on the eleventh day out there, they got to the top of Tomahawk, and they shredded the fucking piss out of Tomahawk. And Tomahawk, dude, if you know Haynes and that flying tenure, that's not a fucking small line. They call it Tomahawk because mad fucking people have blown out their fucking knees trying to beat their slough down that run, and they run into their slough, and then they get taken down in a tom. They just Tomahawk to the bottom, and that's like that run has ended multiple like big mountain skiers' careers and shit. Wow. So I'm like, dude, you guys, like the the respect that that notched up for the Provo <laughs> yeah. brothers after that, I was like, yo, you guys should be like. I really hope you start getting some of the respect that you guys deserve because, like, not only are you guys amazing with your camera work, you guys are fucking savages. Yeah, and they film, they shoot photos, they, they just do, it, do all. it all. Like, yeah. it, it's actually like if companies were smart, like, they would actually look at Ian and Neil, like, that's what you really want because they can make you your own. You don't have to hire they can people do it to all. go, they can do it all. You're going to yeah. have to pay them a little bit more, but paying Ian and Neil a little bit more to have a super high quality product. By people that you can trust in the backcountry that you know if you pay them money to, 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 to make you something, those are the type of kids that will get it done and go above and beyond and make and put their little touch on it and having companies go like, fuck, dude, why are we working with the kid who's just like a little diva that like needs everything and like these people do everything themselves, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's it's pretty amazing. So true. And a little fun fact all comes full circle. Uh, little Steez, 
He used to be a Tech Nine rider. Yeah, man. With he's, he's from Dude, the he was streets. in the original movie, <laughs> yeah, Represent. He was yep. in Represent. Drive, wasn't that Cole's Lexus that he was driving to? <laughs> yeah. Like, he was 11 years old. Yeah, he and was And he 11. was a little 11 year old. It's crazy. This little street kid ended up being one of the baddest dudes in the backcountry. <laughs> That's okay. a, that was an awesome story. <laughs> Tanner Hall. Not a big snow camper. Yeah, no, nah. never will be. <laughs> AKA Doug Dugout. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Wild Mike's Ultimate Pizza. We always break the ice with our guests by eating pizza and cheesy bites before recording, which we did today. Uh, all of their products are 100% natural, no artificial anything. No joke, the pizza bites are incredibly tasty. They support us. You should support them. Follow them on Instagram at Wild Mike's Pizza. They're always doing cool giveaways. Okay, let's get back to the show. I'm waiting on my Wild Mike's uh, wrap sled. They're going to wrap it like a cheesy bite and send it out, but we'll see if it shows up. Stony, oh. Stony Scotty <laughs> says it's going to show up. It's going to show up. He said if I talk about it, it might show up. <laughs> yeah, if we could we could definitely use two wrapped snowmobiles. That would be ideal. One jalapeno, one normal cheese, <laughs> some cheesy bite brother sleds. Let's do this. That's an idea and a half. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's pivot to another topic here. Uh, free ride world tour. Mm-hmm. That's... Uh, what, one of the many phases of of Doug Dugout. Doug, <laughs> uh, <Jug>, dude. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, let's let's dive right into that. Are you a free ride world champion? No. Second oh. overall. Second. No. No. I got second at uh, my first ever stop in Japan. Okay. Mm. Dude, the free ride world tour is no joke, bro. Like, that, that shit to me is, it, it's it's really sick. I wish, like, like, I wish there was, like, a little bit more incentive to do that tour for an American because it costs a lot of money to travel to all those places. And like the, even if you win an event, there's not a lot of cash and it's basically like you're going to come out more in the hole than on top of <laughs> even the if hole. You win? <laughs> really? Kind of man. Do you know if skiing gets paid more than snowboarding in that event? No, it no. doesn't. It, Probably it even it's, it's all even. And what the craziest shit was, at the beginning of last year, they're like, well, women now make the same amount as men. Where I'm like, well, that's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about equality. But when you have eight women and, like, 30 men. Oh, that's true. The numbers. I'm kind of like, yo, wait a second here. And there's a lot of, like, American writers that when you go on that tour, there's not an American stop. And the United States of America sucks with, like, our insurance policies and, like, I mean, we got lawyers just waiting for people to slip on a sidewalk so they can be like, do you need a lawyer? Yeah. I can get you money. <laughs> and it's just like, well, that person slipped there by themselves, dude. It's their fault. Like, no way, shape, or form should that person go fucking sue these people for not salting the sidewalk. And that's just the reality. So when you're going from Japan to Canada back to Europe, the first stop's Japan. Then you have to go right to Canada. And Canada at Kicking Horse is, like, kind of close to us. You know, especially me up in Montana. Like, I can drive to Kicking Horse. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, that's the one that's, like... That's 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 relatable in my brain, but then all of a sudden it's just like right after Canada you fly to like Andorra and then you're there and then you're in Fieberbrunn in Austria and then you have to wait a couple of weeks and go to Verbier. And as a European, it's it, it like it's just it's 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 you, you got a lot of connections and you got a lot of <laughs> you know you got a lot of places to stay you got a lot of everything, and the free ride world tour it's definitely grown folks skiing ain't nobody like holding your hand out there ain't no like it's 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 all on you. But it's kind of gnarly, like your schedule. And what's really gnarly about that shit is to travel the whole, all the way around the world for one fucking run. 
You'll be looking at the faces and like, oh, dude, I'm going to fucking kill this, dude. I'm going to butter off that shit. Then I'm going to fucking come down and dub back that. Then I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden you get in the start gate and you're like, realize you have one run. Sometimes, like, where my brain was, like, fucking hypochondriac sometimes, like, I would get in the fucking start gate and start picturing myself fucking eating shit on the first turn out the gate, being like, whoa, 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 what am I doing? Like, don't, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but if there's no backup run, it's really gnarly, dude. It's really gnarly. And, like, I remember my first year, I, you know, had a good result in Japan, had a great run in Canada, just, I didn't really know the criteria, and I just, they wanted me to hit, like, a couple more things, but I, like, ended up doing one of the biggest threes of my life off of, like, a fucking... A big fucking drop. And to be able to do that first, like, first run cold, like, dog, I don't even know. No warm-up runs, no nothing. No looking over the edge. No looking Just over the edge. No how big it felt. Yeah, look. yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, it, it fucks with your mind a bit, so... I mean, I'm not going to lie. I came on with some big dick energy thinking, like, I'm just going to fucking rule this shit, and it was like a slice of humble pie. Yeah, I was competing, but everybody I was competing against, I didn't even fucking really never, never even heard of. And kind of hit me like, wow, dude, there's a full other ski industry than the ski industry that I know. And then, yeah, it was like just the one run and fuck, I took a crash in Andorra. I took a crash in Feverbrun and that was like debilitating for me. You know what I mean? I was like, damn dude. Like you start questioning yourself. Like, yo, do I suck? Like fuck dude. These kids that I never even heard about just lace the fucking a run that looks like I could lace over and over again. But it's pretty intense, dude. There's, like, choppers flying all around. Like, you're fucking, like, I don't know. Like, fuck Gigi and fucking Victor and fucking all these people are around. And you're like, holy shit, dude. Like, yeah, fucking hey, Gigi. Like, she's that, that dude's the man. And then all of a sudden, you're like, ah, fuck, forget about Gigi. Like, let's think about the contest. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like with that one run thing, it's kind of gnarly, dude. It's really gnarly. And I, it, it's, I really enjoyed it. But I also was like, fuck, dude, it would be so sick. Because the free ride tour... What I didn't understand is, like, they're kind of struggling with, like, a title sponsor and some other things. I'm like, wow, this is, like, Formula One to me. Like, this is, like, kind of fucking crazy that these resorts are shutting down these faces for months in on a time just so this can happen. And I'm like, well, if that's happening and this is the free ride world tour, you guys got helicopters flying around and shit. You would just think in your brain, like, there would be a little bit more of like incentive for the athletes to do it. You know what I mean? And that's to me is just like, if there was a two run format where you could go and lay down a, a, a lay down your tracks, right? Lay the paintbrush down and feel it out. So you can really paint that canvas second run. Cause like, I mean, you'll, you'll attest dude. like, how is it from hitting something you never hit before to where if you can go and just hit it once and then you're on the chairlift or something and you're like, Oh my God, dude, I'm going to fuck that shit up. Is it going to be too chewed up though? After everyone goes their first run? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I mean, at half the time, dude, you're competing on like shit fucking conditions. Oh, yeah. It's like crunchy. It's not not looking like a blower power run. It's not that ideal. And that's almost like, dude, if like, if you had the two runs, like, being able to, like, control your speed, run one, and figure it all out, like, because there's sometimes when the snow's shitty, dude, like, you'll land a jump, and if you're anywhere in the back seat at all, you're, like, gone. You're fucking gone. You're going real fast, and sometimes you can go be rolling real fast into the shit you don't want to be going real fast into. And it can, like, really get gnarly real quick. And, dude, it's just like, dude, like, fuck, you know? Like, I've I've done a lot in my ski career where maybe, like, there's some other people that compete in that shit, that haven't. And, oh, my God, dude, some fucking people ski the craziest fucking lines you'll ever fucking see. 
like straight up riding over rocks. Yeah, I seen landing some on up fucking shit. rocks where I'm like, dude, I'm not from Europe. We don't do that here in the states. We don't fucking go to Snowbird and be like, yeah, let me fucking ride down that whole rock face and then go over traverse over here, and then fucking ride down another like rock faces. These fools ride down rocks where I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, like slanted. Dude. Rocks that are yes, you're not you're not yes. airing them. You're just going yes, down. and like people yeah. will launch off of cliffs and land on like grass and rocks. Really, dude, Marcus Eater last year in Feverbrun did the biggest fucking backflip in his in run to like the top, like the first thing he hit. Dude, he's going like 50 miles an hour into it, and the takeoff is just bumpy, like grassy fucking knolls with rocks in it. You can ski over that shit, like dude. windblown or some shit. Yeah, it's like iced over grass and yeah. rocks, and the rocks have, like, ice on it, so oh, you iced. do glide over it. But the rocks, in my mind, I would safe. fucking be like, oh, <laughs> shit, like, walking on eggshells while yeah. these Euros are like, nah, fuck, dude, that's like, you go right over that. And I'm like, well, fool, I don't know that. <laughs> I, every time, like, I hit a rock, I fuck, <laughs> nothing good comes of it, dude, and you guys are backflipping onto, like, huge rock fields. Like, it's in. That's Same. crazy. So as an American, like, you're going over there, and it was like, like talk about, like, humble pie, bro. Like, I thought I was going to crush it, and I got in there, and it was like, fuck. But that's a big thing. Like, I'd like to heal up from this, and, like, if fucking COVID's going to allow it, like, I'd love to have one more crack at that. Give tour. it another Hell try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Um, we got into it with Nils when we were talking about this tour. The skiers, there's a lot of the backslap landings. One, is that a make in your mind as a skier? Because we don't, we don't really know, but he said in the world tour, there's a lot of those going down. Dude, they fucking have dudes. Like, there were some kids, like, fucking doing daffies and shit. And I was like, they don't do daffies anymore, skiing, huh? That's almost so whack that it's, like, dope. Daffy? Yeah. yeah. yeah maybe you should bring that back in a way. No, there's no <laughs> bringing that back. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost, dude. On the world stage. <laughs> what about the world uh, fucking stage? Red Eagles, are those still cool? <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't La- know, dude. In last my, time I was at- in my brain, where I came up competing and whatnot, dude. If you have your arm right here instead of right here, that's the, all the difference of like getting first or fucking tenth place. And now, like, there's there's back slaps, there's really high speed like running man, like out of control. But it's like oh, the they, more they're, they're going so big, they're throwing the running man down. Or they're just going so fast, and they're like in the back seat when they take yeah. off some cliff. They're like, holy shit. And then they'll back slap, and it'll bounce them like 100 feet down the hill, but they'll land on their feet. And their hands are up, and then all of a sudden, it's like if you're the most – I felt like if the more out of control you are – And survive. And survive, and don't fucking eat it's shit. It's a move. Like you're, yeah, you got it. Like that's they, – they, they actually like reward that. You know what I mean? So that's another thing where I got to get used to. Yeah, but if I do well in the tour and I were to win, I'd like to do it my style, where it's like, it's undeniable, where every trick you do, everything, everything is so just on point, you know, because like there hasn't really been a winning, in at least the skiing like that, you know what I mean? It hasn't like, but it's hard, dude. With that one run, it's really hard to have that type of confidence. It's really hard. I feel like if I was younger, it might have been a little bit different. Because you get older, and that's when you really start... Ha- you have to think about this shit when you're older. And talk about, like, going back to... If I think too much, is bad. And that's where, I, like, in a scenario like that, like, I learned that once I know what I'm about to do, stop thinking about it. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're going to start just analyzing photos, and you're like... It's too much. Is that a... 
dude, that's a fucking pepper rock I didn't even fucking see. Like, okay, now I got to stress about that all night. And then I'm going to get in the start gate and be like, I'm not even going to hit that jump because there's fucking pepper in the yeah. landing while these Euro kids are doing fucking backflips onto and like rocks. And maybe it's not even pepper. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's that fine line of like knowing what you can do. And once you know you can do, it's like, fuck, just look at the face. And like what I didn't understand, some of these dudes go to like face check all day long, multiple days, where I'm like, yo, I can't do this. Like, I, I'm a film kid. What do they do? Well, this, they, they scope their line for multiple days, and, like, they'll hang out at the bottom of the course on scope days all fucking day long, where I'm like, so, all right, it takes me about, like, three minutes to find, like, what I want to shred. <laughs> and they're there yeah, all day. Good. I'm going to go down that. 100. Well, it's yeah. like, you know, like, if you're on a heli trip or you, like, go on your snowmobile, like, to go ski some pillow lines or something, you get to the face, you're at the bottom, you're like, oh, yeah, fucking, hey, dude, I'm... Prominent lines, like, they poke stick out at out, you. They yeah. stick out, you know what I mean? And I've never been the type of dude to just sit there and study and study and study. And they do that. They do. Wow. They really do that. And then they'll, like, take mad photos and go right from, like, looking at it to, like, being inside just to, like, put it on their computer to look at it all night. To look at it again. Where, you know, maybe that does help, dude. I don't know. But I think it would make me just go insane. Because, like, there's, like, you're, I'm the type of dude where if I stare at something for so long, I start seeing way too many options yeah and you're gonna and in the free round turtle with when you got only one run like don't don't add more to your plate that you don't need that like, makes that's, sense that's, to that's, me that's what i'm thinking but he, i don't have the equation to that dude like watch yeah. see nils came in dude and how nils did it it was fucked up like never once did nils have that like i'm gonna win this tour like it's basically a it's a it's a marathon race. It's not a fucking sprint. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like you got to be able to like play your cards right. And like Nils's day at at Feverbrune when they had to do two runs to cuz they got canceled out on mm-hmm. Ordino. Like Nils it was just he just like he he had fun. He he found his first run and was like, "Oh fuck, that felt really good." He had a really good first run and that just that that just got him more stoked. Where I'm like almost looking at Nils, like how he won that whole tour was from that fever brewing day because he had so much fun on his first run that he got into his film mentality and he was like, I know exactly what I'm doing on my second run and took that confidence from run one into run two. Where I was like, damn, dude, this second run fucking thing, like please bring this in, you know? Because like if you're having like two having two runs too can really bring a level of fun cuz like if you kill it your first run you can't wait to go back up and do it again you know what i mean and i saw how nils did it like he never was like yo this is like i'm going to win this thing he's like i'm just here kind of like checking this yeah, thing out yeah i'm just out. enjoying like, myself just, like this is kind of dope like never really thought i'd be here and then all of a sudden he's free ride world tour champion that's so cool. Where I think on myself, I put a lot of fucking pressure on myself. Like, I'm the hardest person on myself. Yeah. Expectation's a killer, too. Mm-hmm. That expectation's, you can bring that into anything, and it makes it, you know, going in with the open mind versus going in expecting to win, those are two that'll change the whole experience. Yeah. Totally. I don't know if I was expecting to win. I, well, yeah, I was. I'm not going to lie. I was expecting to win the fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. I was. Lie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude. Sometimes I, I'll be real. I'll watch. The, I'll be watching the shit and then watch some runs, and you're like, "Really? That's the, that's it? Like that's not that fucking crazy, you know?" But. It's it's it, dude. And I and me too. I had that for so long, dude. I thought like the tour was kind of whack for that reason alone. Then but, you get out there though, huh? And you get out there, and it's serious. It's just fucking. It's a serious thing. It's just. It's it's yeah. It's 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 a mental game for sure. Are they having it this year with COVID? 
I mean, they're going to do Andorra and Feverbrune and Verbier, but, I mean, it's... See what happens. Dude, I'm on that Free Ride World Tour, like, WhatsApp chat list, and it just sounds like a shit show right now. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody really knows. High-risk country. If you're coming from this high-risk country, you have to call this PDF, and you have to find, sign this. You have to go get a notary. I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. Like, that sounds a like a nightmare <laughs> for Americans. Yeah, and some people got to quarantine. Oh, Yeah. So, uh, I have another Patreon question for you, and this is about Chad's Gap, which is an exciting topic for me. I was I was there that first day you got hurt as a spectator. Man, that was gnarly. Yeah. So, the question from uh, Marco Ferris is, uh, I wanted to ask about the mental process of regaining the courage to hit Chad's Gap again after your gnarly crash. How much did the crash affect you after healing up and hitting larger jumps gaps? 12 years to get back to Chad's Gap seems like a long time. Some people may even say too long for an athlete. What made you decide to finally go back and demolish it? Ah, well, I mean, when I got hurt on Chad's, I was still at an age where I don't really, it, it like the severity of the injury didn't even hit me. I mean, fuck, I got hurt. And then 10 months later, I won my first ever super pipe gold medal at the X Games. 10 months? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the perspective was just different. I mean, I was. I was fucking young, dude. When you're young, how old were you? Twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, and that's like that's that's your that's the age where it's just like you you you're on top of the world. So like when I hit, it was like kind of the same mentality now. It's just like not like if I'm gonna come back. It's just like how long do I have to wait until I go ski again? And so I mean, I had it in my brain though that I was like, ah, fuck, Chad's. I'm just over that jump and whatnot. And it's just funny. Like God has a funny way of working because at twelve years later. It just, like, I was having such a good season, and it was fucking going so good in Tahoe. And then in my brain, I was like, fuck, I don't, I don't know. I had to go get, like, I think I had to renew my driver's license. That's what it was. And I was like, I had to go from Tahoe, and I went to Dillon, Montana, and I got that. And then, like, in Dillon, I was, like, way closer to Salt Lake than I was to Tahoe. So I was like, I'm just going to go see a couple buddies in or in down in Salt Lake and shred there for a couple days and... Right when I got there, I, like, linked up with Brent Benson, and I was like, fuck, dude, it looks like you guys just built Pyramid, and they're like, yeah, fuck, go check it out. So I went up there, and I hit Pyramid, and right after I hit Pyramid, I, I did a double backflip on Pyramid, and I was, like, started looking at Chad's, like, damn, dude, like, let's just fucking build this right now. It's like I had no intent of going and doing that. It was just, like, I came to Salt Lake for a couple of days, and, like, the day I got to Salt Lake, I'm, like, looking at people hitting Pyramid that day. And then the next day, it was your classic fucking just, like, kind of warm, slushy. It wasn't power or anything, but, like, the landing was all bombed out, but then it got slushed over, so I was like, fuck it, let's hit it. And then Chad's just looked very pristine. It hadn't been built. It just was, like, looking nice, so. And Brent Benson, dude, like, he's fucking very, he's all about the gaps, and he, like, he's, he's if you even show any interest on wanting to do it, he's, It's like, gonna happen. It's gonna happen, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I told him, I was like, should we do this? And he was like 100. And he got a whole crew together, and we built it up and and hit it. And it wasn't, it's just like I was, it was in the, I was skiing really good. It wasn't like a, a, a nervous thing until, like, it was time to hit it. But there was a couple Groms with us, and I looked at him. I was like, you guys are fucking guinea pigging this shit. I paid my dues. I ain't yeah. fucking, I'm going to, like, know where to start from. So a couple kids, uh, Tyler Pratt and uh, Seth Klein. Seth I think Klein. he went first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth Klein. Uh, shout out to Seth. I'm yeah. airhorn. Big shout out to yeah. Seth, dude. That kid tried to dub back over it as well and just mm -hmm. clipped his tips and yeah. had, like, a pretty 
gnarly crash where kind of put him out the next day. I think he sidelined. I don't even think he hit it. I think it was just me and Taylor. But, yeah, like day one, I got a three over it. Just straight air and threed it. And then I wanted to dub back, but it, I, I, I did a backflip but opened up and, like, knew I wasn't, like, just something didn't feel right, just didn't have enough pop, and somehow, like, just stretched and just did the running man. Thinking I was in the free ride world tour or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I started doing the running man and somehow, like, st- stretched it out enough where, I, like, I actually landed it and I didn't fucking have a gnarly rag doll because, like, if you hit that jump and you start, like, getting off balance in the air, you're going so fast that it's hard to, like, get the, this is going to hurt out of the brain. Yeah. And, like, to not crash on that one, I was like, okay, like, I'm done. But if we put a little bit more pop on this, like, I can definitely do a dub. And we went back the next day, put some more pop on it. I did one straight air and then did a dub back, and that was it. Damn. Two hits? Yeah, two hits. Did you ever see uh, Sage Kotzenberg, when he went to Chad's, he wasn't sure how fast to go, so he screenshotted your GoPro. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. That was <laughs> To sick. figure out where to drop it. To figure out where to start. He, like, you looked at the bushes and all that. That's smart, dude. That kid fucking killed it on that one. Sage real good. So dope. So, uh, dude, you've done it all, you know, free red world tour, eight zillion X games medals, uh, all the video parts, video projects. Fuck. I, I mean, I don't even know what I'm forgetting, but you've your own brand Armada, which we didn't even, have, we're running out of time. Unfortunately, part two, we'll have to, we'll have to get into that a little bit more on the business side of things. But, uh, wh- yeah, what's next, dude, what's going, what's next for Tanner Hall? Uh, well, I've been talking a lot about bringing an invitational back, actually. I'd really like to create my own contest for kids that, you know, just that that goes on for a while. That's going to be a staple, you know what I mean? But I don't want to just do a normal contest. And I've, gotta, I've been really trying to figure out a good thing, and this is what a big thing, just going through an injury like I am now that I have a lot of time to sit down and think. And I'm going to start working with a company outside of Verbier. Well, that's based in Verbier. That's a clothing company, and uh, that's a big thing, like, in the talks of trying to figure out, like, if we were going to work together, that was a big thing, and they were, they actually brought that up to me and kind of, like, put the idea back into my brain where I was like, yeah, like, that that definitely is something good. So having my own contest is a big thing. I'd love to bring back the Tanner Hall Invitational and then just, you know, get back on my skis, and, you know, I'd love to, like I said, take another crack at the world tour and just... You know, I ain't getting any younger, and I know at some point in the next, like, five years that, like, that whole maybe contest mentality might be, like, not as strong as it is right now. And, like, injuries should get the hunger up. That's why I was like, wow, this might be, like, perfect timing to, like, have something great happen. So just got to take it day by day, and uh, number one thing is just trying to, you know, be cool on this thing and not have, not fuck up and, like, put my foot down and have something bad go, which I'm pretty good, dude. I've been through the injury thing, so... Like, I just want to heal up nicely, you know, figure out a contest, free ride world tour, and uh, keep chasing that feeling, you know. It's just, like, that's that's the main thing is, like, that's that's how I know what makes me happy. That's why I wake up in the morning. That's what makes me tick is, like, the skiing shit. So it's just getting back to it and, like, making sure I'm good with and learning to be good with what I've done. You know, I'm I'm terrible at that. Like I'm terrible. Like I'm I'm so critical on myself more than anybody else in the world. And it's just like trying to like self respect and self love more and actually being okay with like the things that I've done and, instead of looking at it like, oh, I sold myself short here. It's like, well actually, you know, maybe you've been looking at it at like a whole wrong way. So just keep growing as a person and 
trying to become a better version of myself that I already am. Well said right there, man. Beautiful. Be kind to yourself. That's great. Great message. And uh, I just want to say thank you for coming on to our show. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, guys. Learned a ton. And uh, thank you to our listener viewers. And we will see you guys again next week over and out from the bomb hole. Boom, bomb, connect. <laughs>